This episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Hello and welcome to Film Stage Show, the official podcast of filmstage.com. I am your host, Brian Rowan, writer for Film Stage. Uh, with me today are Nick Newman, associate editor of the Film Stage, and Danny King, a writer for the Film Stage. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome Thanks back, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. to a brand new episode of the, the Film, Film Stage Show, the movie podcast for filmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Woo! We also have Robin Barr. Ow! Yeah. God, is it? Are you tripped out already, America? <laughs> listening to that, and then listening to me on top of that. Uh, Your voice has gotten like more mature. Uh, uh, yeah, eleven deeper. years will do that to a man. <laughs> <laughs> more pained, more husky. <laughs> yeah, uh, listening to the first ever episode of the Film Stage Show was uh, interesting for me. I was a lot. I was like, I was, de- I was definitely. Trying to be a little more, you know, stentorian. I was NPR. A little NPR. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I really wanted to make sure my point was coming. And now I'm just like, who gives a flying fuck? Like, everyone knows who I am. You all know what you're doing here. I My unhinged persona over the course of the last couple of years, I think, is why some people are still here, which is crazy to me. Um, but yeah, uh, welcome, welcome to the 500th episode of the Film Stage Show. Yay! Now, I have not been here for 500 episodes, so... No, no one except for me has. (laughs) Correct. And even then, up until recently, it was like every single episode. I think I've maybe not been here for a total of like seven at this point. It's not that many out of that. Out of five. Yeah. Yeah. So Bananas. if you could start us off with just like a brief history of the podcast. Okay. Like, well, no one, deal? <laughs> no one warned me that I would have to do this. Um, <laughs> I, so, I just thought of it. <laughs> cool. You could have thought of it like literally <laughs> two days ago. So, I could, so All okay. right, don't write my, an essay. <laughs> my, my recollection of the beginning of this show is I w- wrote a uh, review of the gray on my personal blog, which was uh, DearFilm.net, um, and this is I at this point I was writing movie reviews in the form of letters to the movie, right? So my review would be me writing a a first person missive to the movie as though the movie were a person. Mm. Um, the entire reason that came up is because I hated the movie uh, Remember Me so much that I said I wish I could write a letter to that movie and tell it how much it sucks. And that idea stuck with me. So I started a blog. I did that. And I, I wrote. I don't even know what Remember Me is. What that's is the that? Robert Pattinson movie with Emily DeRavin. Uh, the secret, the secret the 9-11 movie. The secret 9-11 movie with Pierce Brosnan. I have no clue what this is. Oh, my God. Robin. Okay. Well, we'll make it wow. a classic episode. <laughs> what of a movie you goddamn hated. <laughs> Sure. The funny thing is, I always said, like, that'll be the the movie review that I write when I'm done writing movie reviews. I will finally write the letter to that movie. Uh, um, but I've, I would have to rewatch it, and I don't want to do it. It's like, <laughs> it's, got the, it's got the mean Vietnam dad from uh, American Beauty in it, Chris Cooper. Oh. Yeah. 
Anyway, any anyway, it's a uh, it's um. You mean Oscar winning Chris Cooper from Adaptation? Correct. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I so I'm writing this movie blog, and I get to see an early screening of The Gray, and I fucking loved The Gray. The Gray to me was like a perfect movie. So I wrote a thing about it, and uh, Joe Carnahan, the director of The Gray, found it. I don't know how. You know, he's probably just looking on Twitter and saw me tweeting about it, and he was like, "Oh my god, this is an incredible review." And I, a bunch of other bloggers who I knew were like, hey, do you want to like come on and talk about the gray since apparently you're like the expert on it? And I was like, yeah, totally. So I like went to Best Buy and bought like a $15 like uh, headset with a microphone. And I was on my first ever podcast. And then I loved it. And I was like, I need to do this more often. So I, I was like, the world needs my voice. I, yeah, pretty much. I don't know. So I decided for my my personal site, I would start doing a podcast. And so I reached out to a friend of mine who was had been doing podcasts in like 2005, like when it first was wow. a thing. And I, I he had made he was a guy on my freshman year dorm floor and he forced me to do it. And I hated it then. But now I was like, oh, like people could talk about movies. Yeah, I just don't I don't have to be on like a dumb radio show. This is great. So I asked him what he had and he told me and so I bought it and it's the equipment that I'm still using now. There's like a Behringer XLR mic plugged into a Xenix 802 mixing board, whatever, whatever. And so I posted a picture of that, I think on Instagram maybe. And I was like, hey, look who's like getting into the podcasting game. Like I'm going to give this a whirl. And then uh, Benevolent Lord and Master Jordan Raup reached out. And was like, hey, like, you know, would you be interested in doing a podcast for the film stage? Uh, like, you know, uh, Dan Mecca and I like had one for a little bit, like way back in the day. We just used like a shotgun mic and it was terrible. So would you be interested in like rebooting it? Oh, my God. Which, they recruited you because you had the equipment. Because I had the equipment because it, it appeared as though I knew what the fuck I was doing. And I just <laughs> said, yeah, let's do it. But you and, do have like a nice voice for podcasting, in my opinion. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and, and you're so, smarter, whatever. I am smarter, whatever. <laughs> I'm good at talk. I am. I am good at speaking extemporaneously, and I think that that does a lot. I, I can fill silence and just speak until someone else is inspired to say something. <laughs> so yeah, you know that. Yeah, it's uh, it's bananas. Our first ever episode. So we we recorded a pilot um, that I don't think was supposed to air because like it was basically like let's see where we're at and what we need to fix. Mm. And um, but then they listened to it and they're like, hey, it sounds good. Let's just post it. And I was like, cool, great. <laughs> and that was um, that was cabin in the woods. Um, nice. Which is yeah. So that was Nick Newman and I and Danny King. Um, my first set of co-hosts and, uh, yeah, we, we talked about cabin in the woods. The, the best thing is people may not even remember this. Um, we used to do like a discussion beforehand Mm -hmm. uh, and then we would do the review and then we would do like, Oh, what's coming out on DVD (laughs) or like, what's something you're watching at home? We used to have like numerous sections and then the reviews just kept expanding and bloating. And at some point it was like, these can't be six hours. We need to cut everything but the review. It also started was, to get really it, hard to come up with like discussion topics that weren't mm. dumb. Yeah. Well, it, it, we, we struggled for a little while there. Um, we, we had some we had some some good situations and then we had some bad situations. Um, what 
did it always have spoilers? I can't remember. Yeah, I think like pretty early on, like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, when, when you start a movie podcast, you tend to just crib from the slash film cast. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it made sense to have a spoiler section, you know, especially again, because we were talking about new releases and um, yeah. you don't want to just jump in and be like, the bear does cocaine. You know, you want to build up to the, the, the bear doing the cocaine. Well, it, it's so like, funny because, I mean, it, this is this is one of the reasons why I joined the podcast when I did was I was enjoy- that, Bill? Oh, God, I have no fucking idea. Um, yeah, like if someone had said that we talk about the history of this podcast, maybe some people could have done some research. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so maybe maybe started in 20. The first episode was april 16th of 2012 okay and then bill joined in like three years later so, so something like that yeah okay gotcha. yeah yeah i replaced one of the co-hosts and then i guess they didn't like me enough to stick around and so they left and then <laughs> snydell joined and then he didn't like me enough to stick around so he left so now we're wait now you're we're- the reason so no, it was Nick no. Newman and Danny <laughs> King, and then I don't remember who came first. I know Amanda Waltz jumped in. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about. Oh man, R.I.P. Not R.I.P. Amanda, <laughs> but like R.I.P. from Jesus. the podcast. <laughs> the, one of my favorite episodes that we'd done in recent memory um, was the episode where she came back. Um, I, I can't. I think it was that mm-hmm. terrible movie about how like dementia is a monster. Um, I can't even remember. Oh God! What the but hell was that movie? It was the one with like Emily Mortimer, right? Yeah, I know yes. exactly what you're talking yes. about. Yes, but um, yeah, like, and we just spent like the first hour just like being like, remember that time you did that thing? Ha <laughs> ha! Oh man, I miss you. And then it was like, oh right, we have to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. So she's awesome. Um, and then Snydell came in, and then I think I think Amanda Waltz was like, hey, I need to leave, but like. Michael Snydell is a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then uh, Snydell was like, I'm out. I got too many problems and uh, the podcast is one of them or something. <laughs> uh, as most people do, they get overwhelmed. They have a lot going on. They realize they have to grow up and like leave childish things like podcasts behind. And thus we got Robin Barr. Um, and yet I'm still here. Even though uh Who has have, nothing going on in right, her life. <laughs> even though I have like a job and then I started a whole company and then I made a human life that I have to be responsible for. I'm the one who's still here. I got I I when this began, I was in a relationship. That relationship fell apart fairly acrimoniously. I maintained the podcast. Then I got into a new relationship. Then I got married. Then I had a child. Then I got divorced. And then I started a distillery. And through that all, I've constantly been like, yeah, I should keep doing the podcast. (laughs) Your loyalty will be rewarded. Yes. It's a literal document of your life. It is. I so like, you know, whenever there's a movie and they're like, you know, oh, you like we can create a robotic version of your husband. We just have to take all of his stuff from social media and we can make a facsimile of his personality. <laughs> like I constantly think about the fact that you could 100% build a, a facsimile of me from just like feeding this podcast into a machine learning algorithm. I don't know mm-hmm. if it would be exactly right because you know, I won't say that I yeah, chat, chat have GP a or whatever. Right. But I, w- I won't say that like I have an on air persona, but I definitely realize that like, I need to be entertaining, so I probably attempt a little more than I would if we were just like having a drink together. 
So this is probably like, this is like, you know, it's, this is host Brian. Whereas if you were in my house, I would be host Brian because I'm hosting you in my house, but I would be less gregarious and effervescent. (laughs) Still curse a lot. This is the effervescent Brian. (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, yesterday at the distillery, a, uh, a tour came in that was a number of parents of kids in Cora. uh, My, yeah, my daughter Cora's grade. And it was like a birthday party and they were all doing a thing. And they're like, we came here because we wanted to like do a tour and a tasting. And I was like, okay, great. And then I'm like, I have to give these people who is typing on a typewriter. Oh, Jesus. Can you hear that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yep. It's like a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I told them like, yeah, let's do it. And so like I took them on the tour. And then at a certain point during the tour, I realized like, oh, these people have only seen like Cora's dad, Brian. And now they're in this situation, this context with me, where they're getting distilling tour guide, Brian. And I suddenly froze up and I was like, is this going to alter everything? Like, have we crossed a Rubicon? But then I saw what's them in church so today and they said they had a really great about, time. Like, what's so strange or illicit about being a tour guide? There's not, it's just like, you know, it's like um, when you're a kid, right? And you see your teacher and you're like, oh, that's my teacher. And then like you go bowling with friends and like the teacher somehow is bowling there also, like, right. but is unaware of you. And you see them like get a strike and do like a dance. And you're just like, ew, I don't think I can listen to that person talk about fractions anymore. Gotcha. Yeah, so I was wondering if it was going to be that. But apparently everyone was fine because I already have... I think most people are normal. <laughs> I think you'd think so. I don't know. I still... Like, most think. people aren't children who think of their teacher in one context. <laughs> like, True. Yes. So, you're a real but person. Anyway. But I don't know, Understood. Robin, you've met me in person. You're the only yeah. co-host to have ever met me in the flesh. Uh, we're not counting Jordan Raup because I met him in the flesh, but he's not like a co-host. He's <laughs> He doesn't <Lord> count. <laughs> he's been on this podcast, but he is not <laughs> this podcast. And then there's been a couple of guests that I actually knew before they were on this podcast, like Roxana Haddadi. But You're totally the same in my okay, opinion. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. We had a good time. It was fun. Yeah. You came to the distillery. <laughs> I did. I came to the distillery. I saw what it's all about. I learned a little bit about basically making oatmeal and juicing it. <laughs> gotta, ju- gotta juice that oatmeal. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Anyway, uh-huh. so does that answer your question? I, I literally posted a picture of some equipment and someone mistook that for me knowing what I was doing. And then you know, as with all like things. The tale of the white man. <laughs> <laughs> I faked no, it till I made it. This was a fun history and I appreciate it. Hooray. Um, um, I also want to, hold on, before we move on, I just want to remind viewers that uh, I sound a little strange. If you haven't heard the last few podcasts, it's actually uh, the reason I sound like this is because I had double jaw surgery. As Brian likes to describe it, I had my jaw, my jaws, both of them, <laughs> consensually broken. Yep. Um realigned with titanium steel and now i am relearning the functions of what people do with their mouths which includes eating and talking and those are the only things i can really do right now um oh yeah drinking water because for the first three weeks water would just dribble down my face as soon as i got it near me uh (laughs) it still does a little bit but it's getting better it's really like returning to being an infant um but anyway so i don't normally sound like this i apologize if it's if i'm hard to hear in any way 
I would also like to remind you that we don't have viewers. We have listeners. Oh, wait. Did I say look like this? No, you said I would like to remind viewers. Oops. Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a TV and film critic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, so that's, that's cool. That's our little, that's our entry point. So yeah, this is going to be a weird episode. Um, we're going to talk about three movies. The prompt was like three movies that are important to you. Like, so one each. Um, I decided that I was going to pivot from that because as the leader of this show and as someone who, I guess at this point, I just have to accept I'm going to do this until I die. Um, of old age or catastrophe, whichever finds me first. <laughs> um, I believe that all movies that are important to me will eventually be shoehorned into a classic episode. So I decided to uh, revisit The Cabin in the Woods, our first ever episode, to see how it holds up. Lo, these 11 years later, um, Bill chose Princess Bride and Robin chose the Goofy movie. So we'll be talking about those, uh, not in full length reviews, I hope. Dear God, no, we have to go no. to bed at some point. <laughs> um, so we hope you enjoy this insight into us and our love of movies. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about that. So before we do that, the usual shit. Find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the Film Stage Show in order to uh, become patrons and give us your money so that we can continue to do this forever and ever. Amen. Um <laughs> It's uh, just $1 an episode and you get access to our awesome Slack channel. You can email us podcast at thefilmstage.com. I would also like to remind people that we are brought to you by Mubi, um, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. There's a bunch of great and interesting stuff that is on movie. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, the the last time, not the last time we spoke. Uh, during our top ten episode, we briefly spoke about our love of um, Korean cinema, and there's a Korean thriller on movie right now. It's called. It's got an awesome title: Beasts Clawing at Straws. <laughs> yeah, this is a 2020 film. Packed with eye-popping twists, King Yong-hoon's supremely entertaining comedy thriller is a wildly stylized ride full of wicked humor and neon-lit nefarious deeds. With an impressive cast, including Oscar winner Yoon Yoo Jung, I believe, hopefully, this dog-eat-dog tale mixes social satire with devilish genre pleasures. So you should check that out on Mubi right now. You can try Mubi for free for 30 days by going to Mubi.com slash Filmstage. That again is M-U-B-I dot com slash Filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. Mubi has been our sponsor for I don't even know how long. I should have looked it up. I don't remember when we actually started doing sponsorships because for a long time... We made, like, no money off of this. We had no sponsorship. We just jumped in and talked about random stuff. In fact, I was reading the write-up that went along with the Cabin in the Woods episode. And it says, uh, kicking things off for our first episode, we discussed the newfangled marketing trend of teasers for trailers. 
Do you remember when that was new? When that wasn't just a normal thing? When you'd get like the trailer for the trailer? I hate, I hate that shit. In four days, the trailer's gonna drop. Me. Yeah, so this is um, the newfangled marketing trend of teasers for trailers with Ryan Johnson's Looper prompting the talk. Then we jump into a feature review of Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon's twisty tale of horror and comedy, The Cabin in the Woods. Then we dive into some home video picks, including Steve McQueen's Shame and Brad Bird's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Man. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, that's a blast from the past for you. So, like I said, we're here to talk about three random ass movies that we chose for various reasons, and we will get into those. So let's start with Bill Graham. You chose The Princess Bride. Would you like to tell us uh, why you decided that this was a movie that was important to you, or why this movie is important to you, or what your history with this movie is? Uh, so I had seen this film in bits and pieces here and there um and i had never actually set it set down to actually watch it from beginning to end until around college um this is one of those films for me at least that was always on people's like oh like what what are your like 10 favorite movies or whatever and this would always like filter in somewhere and just be like what the fuck is this movie because also (laughs) it reminded me the title reminds me of princess diaries and i was like the anne hathaway movie and you know i i didn't know who anne hathaway was at that time um she wasn't as big but you know it it was I, i knew about that series and then I always confused it with this one. And so finally, I just sat down and watched it. I think I rented it off Netflix, as you do when, you know, around 2005, 2006, um, because they hadn't spun up their, you know, uh, Internet streaming service quite yet. And so... I remember watching it and just being delighted from beginning to end and just thinking, this is why everybody quotes Inigo Montoya. This is why, like, you know, people say, anybody want a peanut? You know, there are so many quotable lines throughout this film. And I just really... Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. there's just so many good lines throughout this film that it just it it has a life of its own once you watch it a certain number of times. It just kind of lives in the back of your memory. And um, it's one of those things that I was just really struck by. And when I got into a relationship with Erica, my current wife, current wife, I why did I say it like that? I don't know. <laughs> You're who like knows? one of those guys who is like posterity. The, the reception of your wedding and you like go up and are like, let me introduce you to my first wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not make that joke. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be bad. Uh, no. Um, so when I started dating Erica, one of our first discussions was kind of like, you know, what, what are your like favorite films and kind of stuff like that. And one of the ones that we both settled on pretty quickly, uh, was princess bride. And it's actually the one that we watched on our first date. And so I ended up quoting it, um, a couple of times in our wedding vows. And, you know, we, it's it's just one of those movies that of all the films that we've seen together, we've probably seen that one the most. Um, well, I say that 
I think we've actually watched Coco more. Um, that may, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, that also came out while we were dating. So that was also like, you know, that's, that's probably our number one movie now jointly, but princess bride is always going to hold a special place in both of our hearts. Um, until we get divorced and then maybe not. All right. Too many <laughs> uh, divorce jokes. What the hell is happening? <laughs> you started it, Brian. Um, anyways. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yes. I'm, I, I should start saying I am the first film stage divorce. Heavily <laughs> implying that the more are on the way. Total hipster right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it's just... I just really, really enjoy every time I sit down, I catch more and more things. Um, this film is just packed to the gills in terms of, you know, characters, in terms of uh, you know, Wallace Shawn apparently is in both this and a goofy movie, which is hilarious. Um, was he in the other movie? No, he wasn't in Broken Arrow. Um, a Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods. Is no, I, I'm saying, was he potentially in the other? Oh movie yeah, that like, should I, I have pick? stuck with Broken Arrow just to talk about Wallace Shawn? Yeah, that'd have been hilarious. Um, but no. yeah, so but, I mean, oh, overall, Clueless. He's in Clueless too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> really yes. Funny. So yeah, I mean, we were we were just hitting all over on t- in terms of Wallace Shawn, I guess. Um, Clueless yeah, would have been the other choice, by the way. Or, or yes, uh, hers, yeah. Uh, yeah, Robin's other yeah. choice. We all struggled yeah. with this a little bit up until like two days ago. Robin was going to do Clueless, and then she was like, "Would yeah. anyone mind if we switch to a goofy movie?" And I was like, "I get to talk about Powerline and Roxanne. Hell yeah, let's do it." <laughs> well, like so, Brian, I'm like, yeah. "Oh, Clueless could be a classic episode." <laughs> so. It could, but it's not. I get not, not right now. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, what was y'all's reaction when I, I chose this film? I'm going to be honest. It's a basic ass choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Well, there's a reason for that. It's a fucking classic. Like, I remember, you know, I'm, I was like a 20, 21, 22-year-old, like, guy living in a house with a bunch of other, like, punk rock stoner drunks. But, like, we fucking threw on The Princess Bride all the time because it's a great yeah. movie. Like, it, it cuts a lot uh, across a lot of different ages and a lot of different, you know, people like certain things. And it's like, what about Princess Bride? And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you, you hear it and you're like, fuck yeah. Let's, like, like am I not going to want to watch a Princess Bride? Like, no, let's do it. Let's make this happen. Yeah. So excited for it. So I was really glad when Bill mentioned that he wanted to talk about this movie because it's actually quite a special movie for me as well. Um, It's one of those movies and books that I would describe as quite formative. And one of the reasons is because in eighth grade, I took a writing class and my wonderful teacher uh, decided to teach us screenwriting for some reason. So my first (laughs) experience of the princess bride was learning it through its script and i don't think i'd even seen the movie yet or maybe she played it in class it was just one of those um light bulb moments for me where like i kind of understood what structure was all about like what like what the format of a screenplay meant and like you know probably like most critics i've also at some times in my life wanted to be a screenwriter myself 
uh, ultimately not a really good fit for me, but, you know, that's kind of my first foray into it. And, you know, afterwards, after I kind of experienced it from like an academic point of view, it just was one of those movies that was like on TV all the time. So I would just like watch it every time it was on TV. You know, it's like a, a classic middle school movie for me, which I think, you know, actually 13, 14 is the perfect age for this because you can understand or you're starting to understand more of the adult jokes but it's still you know it's it's still a movie that is understandable and enjoyable for younger kids too but I'm glad I came to it when I could really get a, a fuller picture of it um yeah great movie I mean but honestly it's also like a great book I highly recommend uh reading you know the princess bride by William Goldman he's one of the like foremost screenwriters in the Hollywood era, like especially like the, like the more contemporary Hollywood era. And so he writes the book kind of like cinematically, but there's way more jokes. Um, It's like a more fleshed out stories, but I think it's actually one of those like perfect book to screen adaptations. So I would definitely describe Princess Bride is like one of my favorite books or like one of my favorite childhood books. And so it's really special when like the film lives up to that as well. And, you know, it's also like a super Jewish book in some ways, like not because it's about Judaism or Jewish in any real way, but there's a lot of that like humor that's really, really embedded into the story and the performances. Like, you know, like for example, the whole Billy Crystal, like Carol King. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Right. The second you, you said that, I was like, well, clearly we're about to start talking about Billy Crystal. <laughs> exactly. But it's not just that. It's it's some of the, the playfulness of the humor. Like it, you know, I mean, especially um oh my god, I've just lost his name. What the hell is his name? Inigo Montoya, the actor. Oh, Mandy Patinkin. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Mandy Patinkin, who's like the like Yiddish stage star of our contemporary era. Like it is a very, very Jewish movie. Yeah. Um, so it, what I, so I saw it like 13, 14, or 13, I would say go to college, you know, several years later, uh, I'm living in a dorm over the summer, like junior year. I'm like, I got to show this to my friends. Like this was like a really, really like special moment for me. We watched the movie. They fucking hated it. Like all of them were just like, that was lame. That was so boring. Like all of the jokes landed with a thud watching it. Uh. And so I kind of look back and I'm like, you know, that movie's like a little bit slow. Like it's slower than I remember, like a little bit subtler than I remember. Um, So I'm curious, you know, for people who have seen it more recently than 2009, like, is it as, slow as we think it is or if i just gotten used to like the fast-paced experience of watching like newer movies or or more recent movies oh no you become one of those people who can't watch something that's in black and white no i love black and white movies. it's not that <laughs> it's it's like it's like the it's almost like the emotions of that viewing experience like i was so embarrassed by showing somebody a movie that nobody liked that it's sort of like the negativity kind of hit me by osmosis. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh yeah, like, Jesus. is it actually a good movie? Like, I don't know. 
<laughs> I think it is, but <laughs> it I could see it being a little bit slow for audiences today. Or like not slow, but just um you know, it's this humor is so subtle, like you really have to be paying attention. You know, the action sequences are like not so, you know, blammo the way they are now. <laughs> blammo. <laughs> it's true. I, I don't think I don't think it's slow. I think I think it is what it's it's right around. Yeah, it's 98 minutes. So, you know, it all? meets that mark. Yeah, oh, God, it's, it's 98 nothing. minutes. I thought and it was so, like much longer than that. Oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's short. Yeah. Well, I mean, he also hasn't seen it in a little while, right? Yeah, I was not able to see it before this, but like, yeah, even well, just in my recollections of it, it's like so much shit happens in it. Like, it just, yeah. it's just, I'm sorry, I'm, it's never felt long to me. I just assumed it had to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? no, because no, no. You got the the grandfather's talking to the sick kid, and then you got to have the whole preamble with Wesley and Buttercup. And then, like, he's got to get lost in the Dread Pirate and the Rats of Unusual Size. Yeah, there's there's a lot of sequences that have to happen in this film and and everything's kind of it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Everything's everything's brief. Everything's short. Everything's quick. And it, it just kind of moves. It, it, it's almost like a, a string of skits. It, it reminds me yeah. a lot of the Monty Python films, especially like um, the search for the Holy Grail um, in that it just kind of. All right. Here's a sequence. Here's the setup. Here's the execution. And we're off to the next piece. And, and part of it is because it's a pursuit film, partially. Right. The first half of it um it's it's all about wesley trying to track down buttercup um and then then it kind of turns into a little bit of something else it, it, i mean yeah it, it changes just a little bit but the main thing is there's always like a next hurdle to get to a next hurdle to get to a next hurdle to get to um or get over so which is like um, very much within the style i feel like there are a lot of 80s films that were these like adventure tales that kind of hit the same beats like goonies uh you know big trouble in little china willow Labyrinth. stand by me <laughs> yeah to some extent like you know vignette adventure storytelling like mm-hmm. just get through yeah get monster through squad the next fucking the monster next squad. danger the next uh, obstacle it's like being in a disney ride in some ways like <laughs> i don't know yeah, um, i mean but like i, 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 I like a, a lot like a lot of it a lot of the best original adventure stories are like that. Like they're, they're episodic picaresque kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've never had a problem with that. It's funny though. Cause I never I, had a problem with that. Yeah, no, but it, but it is like a thing that it feels like happens a little less now, but also just like, I don't know. I like, they don't like, uh, it doesn't just sound stupid, but like they don't really make movies like this anymore. Like, I don't like this would get made into a TV show at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is funny though. I wanted to say, you know, earlier Bill was saying like there were that you use some of this in your like wedding, and um, mm-hmm. this definitely. Uh, I had two friends who got married, and they definitely like had a little wood burn thing of like Mawish. Oh, Mawish! <laughs> like yeah, it's just like you gotta like. How can you not? We all know it's coming. 
Yeah. Nick has been making fun of me a little bit because of my my speech. <laughs> He's going like knowledge or you know, I don't know if anybody's seen like Meet the Feebles, but <laughs> that's also like a funny weird 80s movie with puppets but there's a part where one person is like well but have you been winking and he just keeps <laughs> saying that to me <laughs> that's incredible it's really hard for me to like enunciate right now <laughs> <laughs> you're doing yeah. fine don't worry thanks about it. thank you uh it, a brief interlude real quick um i wanted to mention robin do you remember your first podcast on here because um, I found mine. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, you were a guest movie. first. Me, yeah, it was like the the neighbor movie. The yeah, won't you? Uh, no, it was. Uh, what is it? Won't you be my neighbor? Or there was yeah, there was a that different what the version. Movie was called. I don't remember. I don't it was, remember it was the, the title of the movie. It was, it was the <laughs> fiction of the the Mister with Tom Hanks. Yeah, it was the Mister Rogers Tom Hanks movie, and yeah, that was a really fun podcast. <laughs> From what I remember. So Won't You Be My Neighbor was the uh, documentary, oh, the doc. it looks like. Okay. I don't okay. remember the name of the movie, which is not good. I can't either. Like, But I liked that movie. That's the crazy yeah, part. A, it was a cute movie. Let's see. It I know Matthew Reese was about, in it. But... Oh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was just it. a different lyric from the same <laughs> exactly. song. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was a fun one. And then you came on for 1917. Is that right? I was on for 1917, and I was also on for Soul too. Man, we just yes, I remember. Clearly, Soul. we really liked you. <laughs> I appreciate that because I was when Jordan came a knocking. I was like, hell yeah! yeah so my <laughs> my first episode was on 144, uh, June 16th in 2015, uh, and it was for Jurassic World. Wow. <laughs> you know what's funny is I think I knew that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and it wasn't like I joined and then just started co-hosting. It was like I joined f- as a guest for that one. And then maybe I wrote our review or something like that. I don't know why I ended up being a guest for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had some extreme thoughts about that film as well. Um, but yeah, I remember joining for that one. And then like I took a couple of episodes and then joined again and then took a couple of episodes and then joined again. And I guess, you know, I was a guest enough that I was just like, eh, let's, let's kind of do this. And, uh, yeah, I think one of my other ones was, uh, rogue nation. So I, I just kind of kept popping up for, uh, the big franchise films and then just kind of was like, eh, you know, this is comfortable. I like this. So nice. I miss Nidel. He was, I enjoyed doing those pods with him. What an energy that guy had. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, it's like everybody brings a little bit of something to the table, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, well that was fun. Uh so are we are we ready to move on to the next movie or we have a more fun? I was gonna I ask, so like what's weird to me about the Princess Bride is it's like a seminal thing, but it was made by Rob Reiner. And I just like does he is he a guy that like you all are into all of his work? I'll I mean honest. I really love when Harry met Sally. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite films. I mean, Stand By Me is like like classic, classic stuff, right? right. When did he go bad? Like, when did he, like, you know, he, oh, man. Didn't he do Jesus. that movie that was like the fake graduate movie? Or like what really Rumor happened? Rumor has it, like, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was like, I would say, oh, four. He went bad. (laughs) Honestly, I think like. Oh, no, that's I don't know what that is. All right. I'm scrolling back. So he directed the American president, which I feel like was written by Aaron Sorkin. Maybe people like that. But like North, I remember liking as a kid, but I'm sure it was fucking terrible. In fact, I know that uh, Roger Ebert wrote like a scathing review of North. Um, so it looks like 92, he did A Few Good Men, a bona fide masterpiece. And then after that, he just like fell apart. Like He's so, he so uh, commands a lot of people. Was so yeah. a well-reviewed film. Okay, so maybe, so like maybe we can take him up to 96. Yeah, yeah the story got, of us was not well done or like was not highly rated. Alex that's the one that has like the like, montage with classical gas, right? What? <laughs> There's the montage scored to like classical gas. I don't know what no, those words uh, yeah. mean. The song <laughs> classical gas. Why does this keep happening? I don't know what that is. All right, everyone talk. I'm going to pull up classical gas so we could play it. <laughs> All right. What the hell? Oh, so the bucket list is like not a movie people talk about, but people definitely have oh, like co-opted yeah. that term. Right. Was that yeah, the, so I did think, that term I've exist I've before that. that movie? No, I think the movie That's invented fucking it. Are you fucking kidding? He created a phrase? That what phrase feels like it's been around since the dawn of time and that movie does not exist. I'm pretty sure it was the movie that created that term. Let's someone google that while I play yeah, this fact check little me. bit. Everyone's heard this song. This song is a fucking yeah, I have masterpiece. No clue what, this is. what is wrong with you, Robin? This is a classic song. This song is known far and wide. Who wrote it, or like who performed it? It is. Pl- I don't. You know, it's Mason Williams. Do you know him? Nope. All right. Well, un- unimportant. But this is like this is like an everything. Hold on. Wait. Here it gets. You're telling me you've never heard this song before. Yep. That is insane. Everyone write in and tell Robin that she's insane for not admitting she's heard this song before. I've never heard it. I will tell you. That's crazy because that song is everywhere and everything. Okay, crazy. This song has on YouTube has 9 million views and you're telling me you're not one of them? I literally... <laughs> I can assure you I am not. According to like one YouTube star, Randy Levson, who left a comment 11 months ago. What a timeless, elegant, transformative piece of music. I was a young girl when it came out and it never fails to affect me. Is it Randy with an I or Y? It's with an I. Of course it is. It's a it's a woman. Uh, Whenever I hear it, I'm transported back to that happy, warm, carefree and sweet time of my life. Thank you, Mason Williams. Yeah, so. Webster's Merriam-Webster.com says that the first known use of that phrase was 2000. We oh lost to Bill. Did we lose? Did Bill kick the oh, bucket? Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Am I here? Yes, you yes, are. Yes. Sorry. Uh, so 
uh, Merriam-Webster.com says that the first known use of that phrase was 2006. Uh, the bucket list came out in 2007. So I don't know if they just have that just slightly off because it. Yeah. But I mean, if it didn't originate the phrase and well, granted, right. Uh, people probably knew that it was called the bucket list before the movie actually came out, right? Trailers, pre-production, whatever. It right. probably had a title by 2006. So, yeah. Um, holy shit. I am sure it's the movie. I, like, yeah. I mean, even if it's not the movie, it, it definitely probably popularized it, right? It's almost like when I recently learned that high fives were invented, like, less than 40 years ago. Like, they that were invented, kinda... like, I don't know. Yeah, that kind of you know, that, that that fits. That fits a little bit. But in, not in, in, in a suit, yeah. In a suit, yeah. I don't see high fives being a thing. Right. They never high fived on Mad Men. <laughs> when was the high five? It was invented, invented during a baseball game or something. October second, nineteen seventy seven. That is weirdly specific. Because it happened during a baseball game. Dusty Baker That's hit the incredible. 30th home run of the season for the Los Angeles Dodgers. As Baker rounded the bases, an excited rookie named Glenn Burke met him at home plate, raised his arm in the air, and slapped Baker's hand. It was the first high five recorded in the history of sports. How did they know to do that? It was just a spontaneous... <laughs> it's <like they're> in sync. <laughs> right. Just like a spontaneous expression of mutual joy. That's insane. Anyway, but I mean, that makes sense. Legitimately, I was going to say like, well, the peace sign like was invented in like the 70s or something, right? Like, you know, of course. Yeah. So, you 60s, know, yeah, like it makes sense. It feels like, you know, we were not an expressive species before then. We kept all of our emotions inside and I don't think we ever <laughs> would express joy by uh, assaulting another person. <laughs> anyway, so now I'm going to look for any movie that takes place in the past where people do a high five. Do you think that men hug less because the high five was invented? A question for the ages. I'm going to. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to write a sociological study. I'm going to look for expressions of joy in popular culture and see if men hugging enjoy like lessened after the invention of the analysis. high five. What did, what did I watch? I watched. Oh, it, it, it's on um, Welcome to Wrexham which is okay. a a documentary show on FX about uh Rob why can't McElhaney and uh, w- uh why can't I remember anybody's name R- uh, Ryan Reynolds Yeah, Ryan Reynolds they buy a a uh, English football team um, called Wrexham that is down in the dumps and try and bring them out of like relegation they're at like one of the bottom tiers and there is an episode about their kind of bromance and they interview a like uh someone that i think she's a therapist but like she she uh specifically wrote like a i think a book on like male heterosexual like friendship and was talking about how like males just don't know that's why there is the side hug and that what that is why there's the hand like like shake kind of clasp of of hands kind of thing like she's like guys just don't like to hug 
like straight on. <laughs> so Is this show like real life Ted Lasso. Uh, yes, kind of. It is. It is hilarious and great. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. But it does have that feeling of like, yeah, we all know. Why well, <laughs> I, I say, th- I say, they know soccer. They don't fucking know soccer. But they are um, aware of the fact that it exists. I don't know. I feel correct. like Ted Lasso sometimes really plays into like. Ted doesn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of like, all right, teamwork. How about that? You know, and it's yeah. like, Ooh, you got to okay. believe, Bill. Yeah. You got yeah. to well, believe. Don't make me throw up. I just ate dinner. And then you got to uh, go oh. down on your girlfriend like a fucking man. <laughs> okay. That's what Ted Lasso is all about. Ted Lasso is all about how the best men go down on women. I thought it was about the best men make biscuits. Uh, he does make biscuits, yeah. But no, like every guy in that show goes down on a woman. It's it's incredible. Didn't we all talk about this one time about how like Ted Lasso has a weird amount of scenes of like dudes going down on women? I probably just ignore them because I find those scenes so fucking phony. Because I just find scenes of that like very phony. Of men going down on women? No, just like the sex scenes in that show. Oh, yeah, generally. But I mean, like, the only sex scenes in that show are when a man's about to go down on a woman. Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) I think that was even my whole pitch was like, look, the show knows that humans have sex, but it's also trying to be like the the TV show version of a male feminist. So all of its Uh, sex just in... Oh, God, this is probably why I hate the show. Because it's the TV version of a male feminist? Yeah. Which means you know that it definitely just sexually assaulted someone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to a goofy movie <laughs> a, a movie that Very is segue. definitely not about sexual assault uh yeah i don't i can't say that uh so i chose a you think it's movie. about sexual assault <laughs> no i i i was joking i oh, okay <laughs> i don't like, remember wow. any instances of sexual assault in this movie and i have not signed anything uh forcing me to say that so <laughs> <laughs> this is not a cry for help. <laughs> I I chose a goofy movie. Um, I was going to initially do Clueless because that's probably my favorite film of all time. But I feel like that kind of deserves its own episode and possibly a guest. Um, I'd also say actually a goofy movie is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, my husband and I actually just rewatched it like eh, within the last year or so, maybe last two years. And it fucking held up. It is a four star out of four star movie. Love it. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> um, That's right. My... Let's all remember that Robin grades everything in four stars. <laughs> yeah, the fifth star doesn't exist. It's dead to me. Um, what the, so the reason I chose it is actually because it, it, I, I have such an emotional response to this film. Um, and I, it was kind of interesting to me that you guys both chose things that you kind of experienced more as adults. Uh, because a goofy movie... Like, I loved this movie before it even came out, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know if anybody watched a goof troop growing up. It was like, hanging with the goof troop. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. I know. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like a very classical cartoon for, uh, you know, millennials. Those Disney after school Mm -hmm. like cartoons, like Goof Troop and uh, DuckTales and all them. Oh, I yeah. remember DuckTales. I don't remember Goof Troop as much, but I definitely Darkwing remember DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, yeah, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, Gargoyles was amazing. Um, what was yeah. what was the other one? The um, 
with blue. It's like, oh, tailspin. Oh, yeah, tailspin. Yeah, tailspin. I was oh, about God. to say. I used to come home it's... every day from preschool and watch tailspin. Like, yeah, no, tailspin was great. Major memory for me. Darkwing Duck was great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's taking yeah, every it's... ounce of, of self-control I have not to burst into singing the uh, the DuckTales theme song. Oh, yeah. I have all of those on my iPod um, that I still listen to. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like a hurricane here in <laughs> Duckburg. Duckburg. Yeah. Lasers race cars, <laughs> airplanes. It's, it's a, a duck, duck blur. blur. You okay. might solve a mystery. Oh, oh we write history. DuckTales. Anyway. Should have done that for my my... Intro to the intro. Um, well, unless the other one too, there was a uh, uh, Rescue Rangers. You. Oh yeah, Rescue yeah. Rangers. Is great. Rescue Rangers. So those were all great. I loved Goof too. Um, the way I've described a Goofy movie. So, so a Goofy movie is is based on the characters in a Goof troop. I don't know if a lot of people make that connection anymore because I feel like a Goofy movie has a longer Eclipsed. legacy than yeah. a Goof troop. Yeah. Um, but it was based on a TV series about goof you know goofy from disney mm-hmm. um and his son max who was like a typical a quote-unquote typical teenager of the early 90s you know he loves skateboarding he's and... got baggy pants he's got a rude <laughs> dude he's yeah, embarrassed exactly. by his dad yeah yep. and the way i've described a goofy movie to people is like i am sam cartoonized like I'm sorry. <laughs> what <laughs> like it's Please go on. I need to know how Sam? you justify. It's like I am Sam. It's like about this like oh. a mentally disabled father. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus now, is, is Goofy like actually mentally disabled? I don't know. He he's not. He's he's a he's a good soul. He's just like accident prone. Like his whole shtick is just that like calamity follows him. That's yeah, not the same as being mentally he's disabled. Goofy. He's just goofy. Yeah, he's goofy. He's goofy. But like, please explain why Goofy is a dog. And everyone's a dog. Is anthropomorphic. Wait, but I, I Pluto thought, I thought... is a dog and a fucking dog. What is that Wait, about? So that's that's I, I thought... that's in the wider cosmology of of like <laughs> Disney. In this movie, except for Isn't like a one few... of them actually a cow? Okay, what the fuck just happened? I don't did know. You what just, did you just say one of them's a cow? Yes. Let Who? me let me I will research this. Give me one okay, second. Okay, Bill's gonna chase that rabbit down that hole. So what's interesting about this movie is that it seems like 99% of this world is dogs. Like, they, yeah, they, they show... Yeah, they are dog species, yes. They show Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck at one point. And the, the possum people, I think, are just animatronic. I don't think there are any actual anthropomorphic possums. No. But it's, so it's yeah. just dog people mostly, which is not, like the way that most of these usually work like you know tailspin and chippendales rescue rangers like these even like rescuers down under they usually have like multiple anthropomorphic intelligent animals and yeah chipmunks rats mice yeah the goof troop in the goofy movie it appears they were just like nah it's only the dogs (laughs) only the dogs get to be smart yeah So, so anyway so it's a movie about like a typical teenager just like wanting to like have a great summer he's totally has this like huge crush on like 
this very cute girl. She's oh not the God. hottest girl in school. She's not a nerd. She's just like the, the nice girl and who's very cute. And he's totally in love with her. And he stages this like amazing stunt to yep. get her attention, which like, let me tell you, when I was a kid, how many times I would listen to that song and imagine myself dancing for the whole school. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I used to like fantasize about this. Like I had a whole fantasy life when I was a kid of just like me doing all these tricks on roller skates. Would you ever get me on a roller skate? No, I can't. Not even, not even a skateboard. Roller skates. No, roller skates. I've never been on a skateboard. Could you would never find me on a roller skate? I can't ride a bike. I am. I tried ice skating once. Put my feet on the ice. And I said, hell no, I'm not doing this. Like, I couldn't (laughs) do it. So I don't do well with wheels. I only learned how to drive like two years ago. But in my mind's eye, in my fantasy world, I am like basketballing with roller skates. (laughs) Okay, I'm playing the music so you can really like feel what your fantasy was. Yes. So your basketball, roller skates... Mm-hmm. What else? Basketball was so 90s too. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I love this song so much. So, so wait, do you like this song more than Eye to Eye? No, I Eye to Eye, I think is supreme. But like this, that song, they're they're like almost equal in my mind. But Eye to Eye is superior by like a hair. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So. I love this movie. I knew it was coming out. I, w- I went to the newspaper. Like, I opened up Newsday, and I was like, and my grandma was visiting. And I was like, Grandma, we got to go to this movie on this day. Like, <laughs> I was just pumped to see this movie. And I love it. I just, it, I, I used to rewatch it over and over and over again as a kid. It's only gained more meaning in my life as I've grown up. So basically, you know, it's about a teenager who just wants to, like, fuck around for the summer, get a girlfriend, and his dad thinks, you know, that his son is, like, falling into juvenile delinquency for, you know, just, like, through a series of, uh, you know, like, miscommunications, essentially, and and him pulling the stunt. So he's like, I'm going to pull him into my world, and we're going to go on this fishing trip. It's like a road trip movie. You know, he's trying to get his son away from the quote-unquote bad influences, uh, which include Polly Shore, <laughs> Uh, and it's the leaning, leaning tower of cheese. Uh, yeah, I love. Uh, yeah, that. apparently that's an uncredited role as well. And by the way, I did find out. Yeah, there is controversy around Goofy. Uh, uh, yeah, well, and wait, and so wait, hold on, Bill. You you faded out. So you people in the world appear to believe that Goofy is a cow. Yes, there was a popular like meme. And like uh, a theory posted by somebody that basically was like, he's actually a cow without his horns ears are so big. No, he's yeah. quite obviously a dog. He's totally like a dog, a dog snout. And that's fine. But I'm just telling y'all that like there are memes out there. There are images and there are articles dedicated to this entire theory that uh, specifically he's a Aberdeen. Angus uh, cow, which is like a cow that doesn't have doesn't have like horns. So there is a Disney cow named Clarabelle, and I will Clarabelle. I will say that looking at a picture of her, there is a like distant familial resemblance to Goofy. 
But mm. it, like she's got a buck tooth. She's got the long snout. But, but she is quadruped and he is bipedal. No, she's standing. She's got high what? heels on. Hold on. Look up Clarabelle Cow. They've got the same, you know, hands. But I mean, like they all had the same hands. But Goofy's got. She's oh, got. Shit. She's got the big cow nostrils, whereas oh, Goofy she's has like a little saucy, isn't she? <laughs> okay, calm shit. down. But Goofy has the classic button like like black nodule dog nose and the super long ears of like you know a hound whereas clarabelle has the upright cow ears and the larger nostrils in her snout so even though the teeth and the the fur color and the eyes are all the same i i say that there's no there's no way that clarabelle uh is or no there's no way that goofy is a cow I mean, I think what is more interesting to me about Goofy is that he and Mickey, like, they're really designed to be, like, minstrelized characters. So, like, I mean, I find that more interesting than, like, what is Goofy? Like, (laughs) what he's really representing is, like, offensive stereotypes about Black people, um, ultimately, which is, you know, unfortunate. And I actually just watched an episode of Atlanta that, sort of delves into this not really the minstrelized part but like there was a a satire episode where it's like a a mockumentary kind of a mockumentary you know episode within the series arguing that a goofy movie is like the blackest um oh i've heard this of all time this is this is a thing that um a bunch of my my friends in college used to talk about yeah and and i think there's certainly an element to it because there's like more of a quote-unquote hip-hop r&b you know flavor to the movie and there's you know there's arguments that like max and goof are are black um and i think you can you know you can certainly argue that i you know i'm i don't think i have enough knowledge or like insight to do that well but uh well i mean you know looking at them they are literally black okay but that's (laughs) but you know what i mean culturally black yes yeah i know But I love this movie so much. Like I, uh, I, I can't even describe it. It's just like it's like home to me. That's how I feel like when I watch it. And one of the reasons it's very special to me is because, kind of like Bill, <laughs> I incorporated some of the songs or the music into my wedding. Um, Amazing. Specifically, yeah. There Maybe was this song- is why my marriage failed. I didn't incorporate anything from the Thin Red Line into it. I think I'm. Um, so there's a song called Nobody Else But You that is so, that is actually a duet between yeah. Goof and Max. Kind of once they get over some of their like initial so so basically the plot of the movie is that Goofy is taking his son on this road trip and his son is resisting at all at all points. He's trying to Max is trying to sabotage this thing uh, so he can get get back to his friends or like go to the you know, he's just like the concert. He basically screwed up and lied to everybody he knew, saying that he was going to be like, you know, featured at this like major concert because there's this like Michael Jackson like singer, um, everybody's obsessed with, and you know he he, he like lies to everybody saying, oh my dad knows him and I'm going to be at the concert, and so it, everything just like falls apart. So Max feels both guilty about like this kind of social suicide that he's about to experience. And also <laughs> his, his, you know, like disappointing his dad. And so it, it's a, 
there's like a big push pull between these two characters. And then at some point they they face disaster. They come together. They learn more about each other and learn to accept each other. And they sing the song called Nobody Else But You. Well, but this and is this is so they they get they they come together, but then Max betrays his father and then they fall yeah, apart. Yeah. But then they come together again. Exactly. But when they start to really like see more from each other's perspective, especially when they start after seeing they face, it eye like, to trauma. eye. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, they sing this song called Nobody Else But You. And it's really about like a parent and a child. We're like, oh, like you're so annoying, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And that those are the lyrics. Like, you know, you do all these freaking fucked up things, but you know, who else gets me but you? And I am really close with my mother's brother. You know, after my parents died when I was in college, he sort of became my guardian. Um, but not officially, but like essentially. And he is a parent to me. He's not, you know, he's, he's not my mother or father, but he is one of my parents uh, functionally. And, you know, he and I conflict a lot. We are very, very different people. And the lyrics of this song, uh, like, match us so well that it's like, you know, I decided sometime in college that this was going to be my wedding dance song with my uncle because of how how closely the lyrics resemble my relationship with him, like to a T <laughs> and, and we danced to it at my wedding and, and he had never heard the song, but he, you know, he loved it. And um, it was just really special. And then of course, you know, we, they played eye to eye and we played like, um, I forget the name of the other song for, you know, for some reason, my brain is just stand out. Thank you. Oh my stand God. Out. Just, like this aphasia. <laughs> so, we played some of those songs, you know, like I think the the kind of pre-dance party stuff. And it was just awesome. It was just like so much fun. And I think a Goofy movie like has these pockets of fandom around, you know, the Disney world. But it's, you know, it's not like Lion King. It's not like um, Mermaid. Well, Mermaid is because it was actually produced by a different studio. It was was... Um, you know, considered like a, a lesser animated movie from Disney. There's like a whole history to it of why, you know, it's not like this epic fairy tale. It's a very much a contemporary story about a father and his dad living in America. And it's just so funny. I mean, you mentioned the possum sequence. Like that sequence is fucking hilarious. Oh like, my even God. As so an adult, I'm so watching that, it. <laughs> I am convinced that the opening of that scene uh, was inspired by my trip to Disney World when I was a child, where I mm-hmm. fucking melted down because I did not want to see the country bears. Mm-hmm. So that kid <laughs> screaming, I don't want to see the possum posse. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like either every kid on earth hates the country bears or yeah. some animator was there and was like, I remember this tiny boy just fucking willed not see the country bears. And you There's know what? Very Bay Bay's kids about that sequence. Cause I don't know if anybody's like seen that movie, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a animated film a a black, like produced and sort of starring film making fun of Disney. And it's like, or, you know, almost like the itchy and scratchy land episodes where it's just like totally, you know, nailing Disneyland, like, completely like harpooning it and i love that this was disney sat- satirizing disney but like not disney obviously you know 
it's not Disney World. It's not this like big conglomerate, but making fun of even just these like animatronic fucking like Appalachian bears or whatever possum in this movie. Like that was really funny to me. I, and I got it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I got to be honest. I watched this movie today and when they started singing um, the song, like the day after today or whatever, what is what is the name mm-hmm. of the other song? Whatever. I was like, oh, it's after today. Um, I was like, is this a fucking musical? Like, I had no recollection wow. that they wow. sang in this movie. I had not. Like, obviously, I knew Powerline existed because how could you not? Um, mm-hmm. I did not remember. Michael Jackson like singer. Right. I did. He's he, yes. Powerline is he's the Michael Jackson like singer. I also think there's a little bit of Prince to him. But anyway. Yes, definitely. So like, um, and he's great. I love him. He's the best. Um, apparently. Uh, performed by Tevin Campbell. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like all the kids start singing about like how it's the last day of school, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like this, there's, there's, and that's singing. a great song, yeah. right? That's and I was like, yeah, I, enjoy, "I love them." <laughs> I enjoy it. Also, apparently Carter Burwell did the score, which yep. like awesome. It's a great. great score. It's a good score. Like the, it's all great. But I, it was just funny to me that I had no idea, like no recollection. Like if someone had come up to me and been like. Goofy movie's a musical. I would have been like, just because they sing two Powerline songs doesn't make it a musical, asshole. Um, but no, they have After Today, On the Open Road, and Nobody Else But You. On the Open Road is a very, very funny sequence, too. Yeah, with all the people in the in the cars mm-hmm. and stuff. It's making fun of like all the fucking crazy people that you see on the road i want to i want to do a a double a double feature of two songs nobody else but you and nobody but me (laughs) (laughs) i want to see if i can make that work somehow that was one of my daughter's favorite songs like one of her first favorite songs okay good no she didn't watch this i'm saying nobody but me oh the song by oh what is that who 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 sings nobody but me no one's gonna answer right oh my god (laughs) It's the human beings. Do y'all know this song? Bill just fell down some stairs. Uh, Bill, what is going uh, on with your audio? What is happening to Bill today? I don't don't know what's going. I don't know what's going on outside my door. So (laughs) you're just like every now and then you're just like skipping off. We have no idea what's going on over there. Oh man. Um anyway, the, the I'm going to because this has now become a musical episode, I'm going to play a small selection of Nobody But Me by the Human Beings. This is a song that uh is featured during a beating in The Departed. No, 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 no. I know this song. Oh, well that's good. <laughs> well, congratulations, Robin. Anyway, yes. Um, my daughter loved that song. I have a video of her singing along to it. It's uh, Why great did you because watch this movie. Because I had to watch it during my time at the distillery. I hadn't. You you decided that this was the movie you wanted to do like Friday night or something. Yeah, yeah. So I all yesterday I was at the distillery because we had our third anniversary party, um, which she was at. Go on Instagram. You can see an adorable picture of her blowing out the candles on one of the distillery's birthday cakes. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, there was there was no moment at which I could have watched this with her. So yeah, I was I was like alone at the distillery watching a goofy movie and sitting there quietly going, "This is a fucking musical." 
It's weird that the, I, did, I had no memory of that whatsoever. In fact, I remember starting it up and being like, it's so weird that this wasn't a musical. <laughs> but this was big. Like, in my childhood, like, I remember watching this a lot. Like, we... And I know that I watched the Goof Troop because I watched all those Disney, you know, shows. But, like, I didn't feel any real affection for it. But this movie was, like, transformative, revelatory. I, my, one of my cousins, who's, like, two years younger than me, she's, like, a Disney person. Like, has become mm-hmm. a Disney adult. Mm-hmm. Um, worked at a Disney store for a long time. I know she really liked this. But I think there was something about, like, I don't know, just, like, the the fathers and sons of it all and... The great music. It's the same reason that we watched fucking Space Jam all the time is because if the soundtrack is good enough, <laughs> yeah. you will watch the movie in order to hear those songs and get to those things. And um, I jokingly told Robin that we could only talk about this if it was all right that I brought up that like Roxanne was a seminal like totem in my sexual development. Wow. But I mean, it's I mean, you can't I think deny I had a crush that on Max. You had a crush on Max? I think so, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. But I mean, like, that opening sequence where she's, like, in the the field of wheat and has a slit (laughs) that goes up to her hip in her dress. Mm -hmm. I was just, like, I didn't, I thought that was, like, midway through the movie. I was like, oh, this is where, like, this movie is so deeply rooted in the psychosexual mind of a teenager that it, Mm -hmm. when you see that, it's a that, wet dream. The, right. When you, s- on a wet dream. <laughs> when you see that fantasy, you're suddenly like, oh, it makes sense that he would destroy his entire life for this woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her. But not for her. What he thinks she wants. It has nothing to do with her in actuality. No, because she liked him even before all that. She liked yeah. him before he even put on the power line outfit. Mm-hmm. But she was she was afraid to talk to him as her shockingly popular uh school nerd counselor or not counselor like student body president friend mm-hmm. told her which is it was great and then she Played falls by in love Jenna with Van Shore. i'm pretty sure yeah. very emotionally intelligent woman <laughs> yeah no she's that's why she's the president yeah <laughs> she, she, she didn't get that for nothing and wallace sean is the principal he does a good sort of dictator teacher as we know from clueless as well Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. I, you know, I just don't know how I'd feel about a uh, an educator telling me that my child was going to get the electric chair one day. <laughs> it's pretty fucking harsh. Well, that's what I'm saying. Goof is like, he he probably has like a bit of a low IQ. Like, No, come on. That's not. <laughs> why are you being so mean to Goofy? He just I'm wants just to love his son. Him. <laughs> I, pathologizing him. It's not I kept expecting that at some point they'd bring up what the fuck happened to the the wife slash mom. But then at some point I was kind of glad they didn't because I didn't want it to They've be They've like, never brought it up once except maybe in like the sequel, which I've never seen. Immaculate Conception. Oh, no, because we'd still need to know about the woman. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody really knows. Maybe Goofy but. stole Max. <laughs> maybe it's a deep end of the ocean kind of thing. Um, I will <laughs> say. Jesus Christ. Big <laughs> My name is Steven. <laughs> Bigfoot was that. voiced by Frank Welker, who does Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. I totally Famous. forgot that Bigfoot was in this movie, by the way. I was like, how are we just like how are these two guys continuing to have a vacation after being assaulted by Bigfoot? 
They just moved right the fuck on. They're, totally, they're at a diner the next day. Right. And they're well, not they telling everyone. they didn't have smartphones, everyone. so they're like, whatever. Right. They had, they had a, a, a video camera with a full-on tape in it. They had a car with a tape player. And um, Goofy works as a a like portrait photographer at a department store, which is how old this movie is. Mm-hmm. The, in the cinematic depictions of people who work as photographers in department stores, it's Goofy and Joaquin Phoenix in the Master. <laughs> yeah, I was right? about to like say that. the Master. Yeah. <laughs> But this movie's great, yep. and um, I won't lie. So I am I I'm not gonna look it up, but I am positive there are probably like thirst trap cosplayers still dressing oh, up as Roxanne. Most definitely. I if I were a braver man and I wanted to fuck up my TikTok algorithm, I would look for one right now just so I could send it to you too. Can you search TikTok or is it? Yeah, you can. Like, okay. Here, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on my TikTok. I'm lo- got it right now. Roxanne. Oh, so the first one is Moulin Rouge, of course. Oh no, actually, the first one is Roxanne, but just rocks. Mm. Are you all aware of that? Nope. Oh. What? Oh, all right. So it's Roxanne, but it's just rocks. Rocks. They just just edited out everything but the rocks. (laughs) Okay, wait. All right. So Roxanne Goofy cosplay. Oh, my God. Fucking terrible. Yeah. uh, So there are numerous. I have found them. It's it's not great. It's actually really weird. I don't like it at all. This is uncanny. It's like a bunch of girls who've got done the hair or are wearing uh, a wig. This is a very good approximation. And then they're wearing the rolled up jean shorts, which are a vibe. Um, and then they've got the shirt. But then, like, they've all just colored their noses brown and they've drawn on the beauty mark. It's very, it's very weird. Oh, and I, I don't like do it. Do not like. Yeah, I don't even want to send you guys like a screen cap of this. It's like. It's like it's more disturbing than I thought it would be. Anyway, can we talk about how good Max's like actual routine was during during the school? Like, I don't I don't oh, even know what that was. The, the pep rally. What, what the fuck was that? <laughs> it was like a, it was like a commencement of kind of address thing. Like, yeah, but it know. was not them like graduating. That also, day. No, it was like the last day of seventh grade or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you think they're seventh grade? How old are no, they? I think they're like freshmen, honestly. I think they're freshmen. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be like like 14 years old. Yeah, because there's definitely some like older looking kids at that school. Like Mm -hmm. that that one girl who is really into him after he does his routine, but she's like three feet taller than him. And (laughs) the jazzercise girl or whatever. Or no, she she's wearing like a jacket with rolled up sleeves or like pushed up sleeves. Yeah, I think this this movie is a it actually pretty uh, killer chronicling of nineties fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The goth girls, yeah. bleh. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. 
Oh man, yeah, no, this is good. This was good. I was glad that I was able to have a reason to watch this again because um, I had great. never seen it. Really? Wow. Wait, I was going to yeah. ask you what your experience was. His experience was watching yeah. it this weekend. Apparently. No, but I thought it was like he was going to have this history. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no this is wow. this movie is is legit. Why were you so, so deprived, people. Bill? Next, you're going to tell me know. you never even watched, uh, you know, uh, Aladdin two. Return of Jafar. Yeah, who hasn't seen that? Mm, I watched part of that. I, I remember piecing out on that. Probably. That's. I feel like. Um, I feel like honestly, like Return of Jafar. I feel like I saw more than actual Aladdin, and um, I feel like <laughs> I think Goofy. So too. I think I've seen the TV show Aladdin. Oh my god, like, I love the TV show Aladdin more than I've ever seen the original film. <laughs> Aladdin TV yeah. show, Hercules TV show. These were all incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love. I would be. I'm actually kind of shocked that it's if, if it exists. I'm unaware of it. That there's not a um, like Lion King one and a half style Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead about uh, Pete and PJ. Oh, it, I could see that. But like, are they actually? No, from this movie because like they they oh, like a goof troop, really. they like stalk like Goofy and Max on their vacation. They just like keep showing up. It's very weird that they would all both be on like cross country road trips and like Pete is apparently just like tracking Goofy to go fuck up his relationship. Yeah, because Pete's a psycho. Yeah, Pete's he's somehow a married to this like hot chick named Peg. Wait, do we see her oh, in this never, movie? Yeah, we don't see her. No, in this she's movie. not in the movie. But all right, wait, she what's her name? I'm looking her up. Peg. No, Peg. their daughter. Look her up on TikTok. No, God, I can't. So like. Cosplayers on TikTok <laughs> will wear some weird shit, right? But, like, there's something about the fact that most of these people just colored their nose that was, like, so much worse than most of the stuff I've ever stumbled across. <laughs> I, Peg is either the wife or the daughter. I think it's the wife. Pete from Goof Troop Wife. I don't know. This isn't helpful. Uh, Husband of Peg. Yeah, here we go. All right. I'm clicking the link. I'm so well. I don't know, Robin. I don't know whether to think it's weird that you think this is hot or not. Are you compared looking- to Pete? Christ. Well, <laughs> first of all, I think you're just being fat phobic. <laughs> no, Pete's an asshole. Yo, yeah, Pete's a complete and utter dick. What's funny is in in the um the the Mickey Mouse's Funhouse or Clubhouse or whatever, like some sort of CGI show that my daughter used to like when she was younger. Um. They try to like soften Pete up a little bit, I guess, because he can't. You can't just have a psychopath in a children's show. So he's always bad, but then he like turns good, and it turns out like, oh, he was just doing it because he was sad about something. But mm. I never bought it. This guy fucking deserves to get shot. He should go <laughs> to the electric chair. What's interesting is yeah. that on this Goof Troop wiki. The background is almost always just the appearance of the character. So it's like background, appearance. Peg has peach colored skin, blue eyes, and shoulder length medium hair in a tri <laughs> She's snarky and can sometimes be a bit of a ditz with a short temper, yet she still manages to be a good person at heart, especially towards Goofy and Max. Oh, I bet she's sleeping with Goofy. Yikes. Anyway. <laughs> a, a lot of this needs uh, uh, references. <laughs> I don't want to go to fanfiction.net, but like. 
yeah, you do. That one out. <laughs> Go on fanfic.net and just tell us how many pieces of fan fiction revolve around Goofy. Wait, their last name is Pete, too? I forgot about that. Wait, so- oh, it's Peg Pete? Yeah, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, Pete. PJ Pete. So PJ means Pete Jr., but so it's Pete Pete And, and the daughter is Pistol. And the daughter is Pistol Pete. That is, this is incredible. What is happening? This Pistol is like. Pistol is almost a great name for a kid, except not. I, I, Robin, I feel like do you no know who oh Pistol Pete is? Look, look at Pistol. I, I don't, but hold on a second. Look at Pistol's okay. bit, f- photo and tell me she's not Goof's daughter. <laughs> no, she's her 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 snout is too narrow and her ears are too tall. Yeah, but look how dumb she looks. No, she looks psychotic. Are you kidding me? She looks like she's gonna fucking chop a cat in half. She looks like a baby from the start of Goofy movie that's just like not having it. Yeah, there's a uh, famous white white basketball player named Pistol Pete. I believe his name's Pistol Pete Maravich. Oh, I thought th- he's in a... <laughs> isn't Parks and Rec there's a Pistol Pete? Anyway, in this... Huh. So apparently in Goof Troop, Max is only 11 and a half years old and moves with his father and their cat Waffles from their trailer park home to Goofy's hometown of Spoonerville. Apparently mm. Goofy and Pete were friends. In- Why is this episode turned into us just doing a deep dive into <laughs> Goof Troop lore? Because I think we all like this movie. Well, I don't know how Bill feels. But. So Pete's dog is named Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. It is a very small dog with a bow in its hair, and it looks much like Pistol, like a psychopath. Oh, but wait. So they, they are dogs, and they have a dog. Here we are. We're back in this weird yep. conundrum. They're anyway. like... Is it like if we were to have monkeys as pets where we're just like, yeah, you know, close, but not enough? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? You don't think this is a world where there's like a common lineage? We're not that close to monkeys. Well, maybe these people aren't that close to these dogs. Okay, okay, that's true. The dogs have tails. They evolved from a common ancestor. (laughs) So what's... wolf. It's like if the wolf became a human. That is horror. okay. So I I just I just <laughs> realized this because I was um in the movie they kind of bring this up, but Goofy's name is Goofy Goof. Oh boy, his last name is Goof. He's the son of Amos Goof. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just to go back to go back to the minstrel history. It's like not good. It's like God. The father of Max Goof. Oh, so Max has got the ma- the most goof. Yeah. <laughs> I know this makes me laugh. Anyway. Wait, Bill, what did you think of this movie? Come on. I, I I really enjoyed it. I was I was really struck by how how well developed Goofy's kind of uh, whole thing is because I don't remember that from the cartoons and and you know doing some reading on it right now it seems like they kind of fleshed out his character a little bit and gave him kind of you know a little bit of an internal you know characterization and stuff he like has that. Pathos. Yeah, and so I, I was really struck by it. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of moving in a way that I was I was not expecting, uh, especially from a film that like starts the way it does, and then you know has that power line sequence, and you're just like, oh, this is this is like a 
a fun little high school romp movie. And then it turns into this like, you know, road movie where you it's it's, a, it's like what? a sad meditation on like fathers yep. and sons and growing <laughs> up and yeah and, goofy, and like, like miscommunication and yeah. like and like them growing apart and goofy I feel bad because it's very obvious that goofy is like single and like you know lonely and his son is like you know his his primary focus in life and so you know, to see his son kind of starting to become someone that he doesn't he doesn't recognize anymore. He's like, when did you get so old? You know, and and you know, there are a lot of films that that tread very common, you know, uh, journey in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I just wasn't expecting it from from a spinoff of a morning TV show to turn into this. Um, in fact, I was actually I don't think I ever really watched Goof Troop that much. And when I look back, I realized because, you know, I was on Disney Plus and I was looking back and I was like, oh, there's there's a season of this. I, and I was like, how many episodes? And I was like, oh, fuck, there's like 78 episodes. <laughs> I was like, OK, that's not a season guys like let's, so that's let's, like let's when i started out. watching batman the animated series and i was like oh like the what's the first season it was like 50 episodes and i was like what the fuck happened here how did they used to do yeah. these things yeah they they didn't they, i mean this is this is the thing is when they started airing this shit they never realized that they were going to have like a, a mass market you know, home video release mm-hmm. of of all of this shit. So, you know, their season was just like, what do you mean season? Like, why would we need to call it season two? Who the fuck cares? No one's going to watch this after, you well, know, it also we're, has we're just going to gonna air it. Right. We just like are going to keep doing this until they tell us to stop. Yeah. But there's also so- like contract reasons for these things, like syndication deals. Like that, that's kind of the reason, like, for example, Disney Channel shows like they they'll have like 30 or 40 episodes per quote unquote season as a way to like drive down the cost of the show, because let's say it's a hit, you know, after 20 episodes, you know, if that was season one, then the, the creators and the stars could go back and say, Hey, we want more money. So like, we're going to, you know, they're going to pull like a friend's cast kind of thing. So it's all done. uh, It's all done to like save money essentially. Yeah. And to screw the for, creators and the for creators. seasons, for yeah, like to they like want to pump as much as they can out of the people doing this stuff because it's like quote unquote kids stuff, so it doesn't matter as much, right? Theoretically, mm-hmm. uh, so they yeah, they're just gonna pump whatever they can, and then you know before anybody can um, renegotiate their contract, say okay, you know we we got forty episodes out of you, we're good. Like, whatever it is. I mean, I'm just making that up. But, like, that's what they've done to several, you know, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon shows recently. I'm sure that, I'm sure the way money was made on these programs, you know, 30 years ago was, like, not, you know, it's kind of, like, the similar reasons why we're seeing that now. Or why we saw that then. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, like I said, I, I was really struck by this. Um, I, I thought everything was actually like really well fleshed out. Um, and I, I just, 
really enjoyed it. Um, and I was, I was very much surprised by it. Um, it has some of its cartoonish kind of slapstick comedy in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, there's, there's some moving moments and, um, even, even like the end where, um, you know, he apologizes to Roxanne and she's like, why, why would you lie to me? And like, he full on like confesses exactly why he doesn't, he doesn't like tiptoe around it. And, you know, he's like, I, I, thought that you would think I was a failure. And it's just like, it's just one of those classic like miscommunications of just like, just tell her your dad is taking you on a spontaneous trip. You would love to date her, but instead I like, I can't get out of this thing. So, you know, (laughs) like that's it. And you know, he doesn't do that. So not until the very end. Um, and yeah, I, I just I thought it was very clever and um and yeah, the music is fantastic and and I love that I recognize some voices in here. Um, you know, I I recognize Polly Shore almost immediately. I mean, honestly, like you look at that character and you're just like, Oh, that's Polly Shore. Like you you don't even have to hear him before he speaks. Yeah, you just (laughs) look at him and you're just like, Oh, mid nineties animated movie that looks like paulie shore to me <laughs> it really feels like they didn't even have lines written for him they were just like can no. you just like take a run at this but he again like, like he howls he like you know says a bunch of stuff he's like, scrumptious <laughs> yeah and appar- apparently he's just like a, a a cheese whiz like fiend right like and it, it's funny <laughs> yeah it's it's fuck i love it love it yeah, his his line delivery, I, lo- I love. I don't know how y'all feel about Pauly Shore. I don't know if he's I become like Pauly problematic Shore. or whatever, but like, I yeah. love him. He was great in that Pinocchio movie. But yeah, I I love him. His his time, him and Brendan Fraser are forever tied together. Um, Not just because of Encino Man. I think they did. They do more than one uh, film together. Surely they did. It feels like Um, that is true. But I know Encino Man exists, and that's like the thing that I'm thinking of. yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, but it, it, what, what I was saying earlier was I was actually like really impressed with his like uh, power line routine. I was surprised by like how good it was. And the fact that they both of them were like, I don't know, this is this is going to fucking work, I guess. And they have like smoke. They have their like rigging him up to fly over the o- <laughs> a little a little like rig to fly him over the the auditorium and you're yeah, just like fucking dunks a ball man well. this is a full on fucking pr- production and he seems so nervous at first he seems like he, they're just gonna put this together like just now like like they came up with it last minute and instead it's like oh no you fucking didn't y'all well, been practicing been, this for like six Pete months was so fucking pissed that he was late he was uh-huh. like, we have been rehearsing. This is this has been an Ocean's Eleven style caper, and you were about <laughs> to blow it because you were having a jerk dream about well, Roxanne. It, it, it's funny because I know, I know he says something like, "You're two hours late" or something like it was that. Like an hour it, it's late, either one, think, yeah. yeah, an hour late, and the clock 
was like 754 and I was like the fuck are you talking about I had to be there at at 654 like what is this what what school is this kid going to that well, he again, had like, to you know, be there at like 7 a.m. that's the thing though is he was they were clearly going to be there to set all this up before school uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he gets he gets to school on time with everyone else, but they have to set it up during the thing, and they're like, "Oh shit, we're gonna miss it if you know Principal mm-hmm. Mazur, Mazur, whatever." Does, Mazur, you know. yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Wallace Shawn is Principal. Yeah, Mazur, M A Z U R. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, again, uh, I was I was really impressed by that. And I like that he gets he gets a lot of props. People, you know, he thinks yeah, he thinks think he's the laughing. Awesome. Yeah, he thinks he's the laughing stock of the of the school until everybody starts like giving him props. And it's like, dude, did you see what you just <laughs> did? Are you aware like, of everything that you accomplished? Also, like, you got you caught. Amazing. You are now not only are you like the coolest pop star in the school, but you're also like a dude who thumbed his nose at authority. Like you, uh-huh, the only way uh-huh. he could have been cooler is if he smoked a cigarette in the boys' room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or he, planned one on Roxanne. Well, he does at the end. He gets there. He does. He does. Yeah. But yeah, her dad is weird. Anyway, uh, do we have any final thoughts or anything else we want to say about a goofy movie? Robin, Great movie. Did you ever watch an extremely goofy movie or did you like stick with it? No, I did not do any of the sequels. I just felt like it would hamper my experience of the original. Which is crazy because like uh, Return of Jafar is like a seminal, like great. Yeah, Disney but I don't sequel. care about Aladdin. I never cared about Aladdin. Like, wow, that's I crazy. Loved a goofy movie. I liked Aladdin a lot. Wanted to be him. Like, Jasmine the was movie cute. that falls apart in the second half, like. Totally That's unmemorable. The craziest thing half. I've ever heard. Um, I, actually, now that I'm saying this, I'm like, yeah, I think I, I think I like, I think that uh, Roxanne is a more like sexually charged character than Jasmine even is. Oh, Jasmine, you know, aside from wearing a midriff bearing top, is you know, she's like cool and everything, but I don't know. Like yeah, th- this movie like really invests girl. itself in like the raw, like, <laughs> like romantic lust. That Max has for Roxanne. Yeah, and it's like it's we're just going to amp this up to eleven. Well, it's also you know Aladdin has a lot to gain by dating or you know courting Jasmine. It's not just she's beautiful and nice and talks to tigers. She is a princess with access to power and wealth. So there's more of a this like imbalance of ambition. Like Max just wants like a nice girlfriend. <laughs> Right, but he liked her before he knew that she was a princess, you know, because he saved her from getting her hand chopped off. Oh, he did, but there is, but you can't deny that there is like more to gain than just like a nice girlfriend with the Jasmine situation. Yeah, Yeah. actually, from what we see of her dad, if Max and Roxanne marry, he's actually marrying into a lower social caste than his own father. Probably, yeah. Because they have a smaller house, and her father appears to be a psychopath. (laughs) <laughs> they're all two two story houses with like a picket fence so yeah this is the 90s when like that was attainable that yes. is true yes I would love a ranch 
Oh my god, that would be perfect. Like a wait, you know like how- a ranch house, like a one story house, or you want yeah, like a, a place house. you can raise horses? Oh, okay. no, fuck horses. I love ranch houses. First of all, you, I don't need to know what you're gonna do with the horses. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you were gonna. Can I, my husband and I were talking tonight. He's like, I really hope that whatever kid we have in the future does not like horses because I'd be like so annoying. So like- I got invited to take part in a fundraiser for a horse rescue farm. Are you telling me I shouldn't do that? I mean, if you really want to raise a horse girl. I don't want to raise a horse girl. I'm just helping yeah, raise well, money in order careful. to I save told, horses. <laughs> I told Nick, like, help. first of all, I've eaten horse. Second of all, like, I just want my child to be afraid of horses so they don't go near them. My daughter, like, well, so we met horses at the 4th of July parade uh, last year. And she, she yeah, where they're like fucking flies around their faces and they were smell not, little nasty. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The fuck anyway it doesn't matter um my movie not anti-horse it seems like you might be anti-horse Is Goof- are you anti anti-unicorn robin oh fuck a unicorn fuck a fuck a waterfall fuck a unicorn fuck a horse i just want to live in my ranch house so i don't have to go upstairs when i'm like old and have a hard time with my mobility well let's let's talk about a movie where a uh you maybe you don't fuck a unicorn We're- but a <laughs> unicorn might fuck you up it's called cabin in the woods mm-hmm. yep yep yep, yep. <laughs> And it's the first movie we ever reviewed on the Film Stage show back in April 16th of 2016. No, 2012. Um, this movie uh, is written by Drew Goddard, Drew Goddard, Goddard, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. <laughs> and uh, was directed by Drew Goddard, who later went on to direct the absolutely fucking fantastic Bad Times at the El Royale. Which is a movie that might be one of the movies I've watched the most Wow. At least, like recently, like recent re- movie, like movie rewatches. I l- I watched that movie like a lot. <laughs> he also uh, wrote The Martian and received uh, an Oscar nomination for that as well. Correct. Um, he also, uh, I know he directed some of The Good Place. Did he help write that too? I think he directed it. I don't. I don't know if he wrote any part. He of was it. a producer on Lost. He was a producer on a bunch of other stuff. Let's see. Right, writing credits. He co-created Daredevil. Yeah, uh, he was an executive. He was an executive producer on The Good Place. Um, he uh, was an executive producer on uh, The Cloverfields. Yeah, this guy's done a lot. I like him. He's a good guy. I dig his shit. Um, it's kind of sucks that he's only made two movies. It's surprising Um, because I feel like uh, what's what's that guy's name? Zach Krager. Yes. Like, so he's like the hot new thing, but Barbarian to me is very much rooted in, in like the Bad Cabin Times in the, the Woods. Oreo. Oh, really? Well, I haven't seen that film, but I think I, there's got to. A definitely a correlation or like a through line between the Cabin in the Woods and Barbarian. And I was actually very surprised that uh, Drew Goddard or however you pronounce his name just didn't launch in the same way that Krager seems to be right now. Well, even even what's 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 Cloverfield director guy's name? Um, fucking uh, Drew Brees? No, Matt Reeves. Oh God, yeah, the Batman. <laughs> yeah, Matt Reeves has directed a fucking shit ton of stuff. He directed the Apes movies. He directed the Batman. He directed Let Me In. And meanwhile, Drew Goddard's over here. He's made two fucking classics, and he's not getting anything. But he also well, he also helped direct uh, the Good Place, which is a, a good show that I. Yeah, but that show was like ancient compared to, I don't know, I just feel like it kind of came and went. So where is he now? 
So where's Drew Goddard now? Yeah, I have literally. I was no trying idea. to figure that's that out idea. the other. I was trying to figure that out before the episode. Like, oh, he huh, wrote he Cloverfield. So that's why I keep comparing them to because like Drew Goddard wrote Cloverfield and Matt Reeves directed it. So Drew Goddard's got like he's a good writer. He's a good director. I like I you if you like you should watch Bad Times of the El Royale. It's great. It's got that like um barbarian kind of like, oh, like well, let's go click back to see what this is all about. Like, you know, it's it's a disjointed narrative, but it doesn't feel like it's just a ripoff of like Tarantino or something, and it's got a lot to say. And it's really great. And um, I was curious to go back to Cabin in the Woods because I haven't seen it probably in a decade. Like, I just haven't watched it a lot. I feel like, and I also feel like the last time I watched it, I was blitzed, like just completely drunk. Um, and it came out in 2011. It So it like premiered in 2011, uh, like, um, I think at like a, a festival. And then it dropped. I think it was in, at South by Southwest. Right. And then it was actually released in like April of 2012. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it was. So it, I don't know. But I, I know that I wasn't living in this house and I know that I was drunk when I watched it the last time. So I rewatched it today. Most of it. Um, I actually I was I was so pissed. I was watching this movie. And when I realized like, oh, shit, we have to record a podcast is like right when um, uh, Franz Kranz's character, whose name I can't remember. Uh, Marty is like, I think I can make the elevator go down. And Dana's like, do we want to go down? And he's like, where else are we going? I'm like, oh, shit. This is when, like, it gets awesome. And then I had to come here and talk to you fucking people. So I'm I'm excited for the podcast to be over so I can go and see the part where they get to see, like, the great glass elevator of horror. But, yeah, this movie, I, I, so, yeah, I I was, like, curious. I was, like, you know, I remember having a a positive review of it. um, And I was curious if that would maintain and it totally fucking did. Why did you choose it? Because it's the first movie we ever talked about on this podcast. Okay, so it's the only reason. It's yeah, not- fuck yeah. It's just this movie doesn't really mean anything to me, except for the fact That's that it launched wondering. this podcast, <laughs> and I've been doing this podcast for 11 years. If I had had my druthers, we wouldn't have talked about any other movies. We just sort of re-reviewed Cabin in the Woods. Oh, we Especially, could have done that. You didn't offer that as an option. I did, and then, but at that point, it just got folded into being everything, like just the movie that Everywhere we were talking about. Everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen that. No, um, no. I, the the reason that picture, I said yeah. cabin, and the reason that I switched from Broken Arrow, because <laughs> I just wanted to see an evil John Travolta, um, and uh, that that football player whose name I can't remember. Um, yeah, I, the reason I switched is because I was like, look, why don't we just talk about Cabin in the Woods? And I was like, I'm just going to choose this as my movie. But yeah, like this movie is awesome. I think it holds up. I think like this time I like I still laughed at like every point that I laughed the first time that I saw this movie. Like everything with Bradley Whitford and um, Richard Jenkins is incredible. It's just like it's so like (laughs) Bradley Whitford's like whole thing with the merman is great. Like it's just it's such like a fun movie. And it's and it like again the fact that we just saw knock at the cabin which I won't like spoil um, per se in this episode. But I was like right this is like (laughs) it's just the same story but with a different kind of like stylistic bent to it. And it's wonderful. And I loved it. It was great. And like I yeah, said, I'm, I mean, in, I'm in the middle of it and I can't wait to stop talking so I can go finish it because I remember what happens when they hit the button to open all the elevators and I want to see that. Did 
like if you could do um i don't know like a triple feature what would you pair cabin in the woods with because i feel like it Wait, so a triple feature are you saying like cabin in the woods and knock at the cabin or are you asking well, no, yeah, to- i'm saying just any any film because i you know cabin in the woods is very much a film that is paying homage to like evil dead type of films right but also it launched other sort of like postmodern types of horror or horror comedy so I'm just curious, like, where would you put that in the pantheon, and how would you, how would you curate a triple feature where the I'm cabin? Just confused in the woods why you're choosing like, a triple feature? <laughs> uh, because, because it it's like a link to both the past and the future of film. Okay, so I need to. So I guess I would. Can you can you restate your rubric for me? What am I supposed to do right now? I'm supposed to so take I'm, Cabin in the Woods and then I'm supposed yes. to on either end of it choose another movie to put? Or what however you want to do it. I'm just saying I think of Cabin in the Woods <laughs> Brian's, as like Brian's trying to make this more difficult than it yeah, is. Yeah, he just wants to get an A plus on the goddamn. Well assignment. you're like triple but, but feature I it, and I yeah, thought triple maybe you were like of one that, so like, that threw him for a loop. Because <laughs> I thought at first you were like, okay, well we've got knock at the cabin and cabin in the woods. What's the third movie? And I wasn't sure if that was what you were saying, or if you're like, you only have Cabin in the Woods, pick two other movies. Yeah, if you only have Cabin in the Woods, pick two other movies that you think like it either influenced or is influenced or like received influence from. So I think that funny games is definitely in contention there. Okay. Um, as another movie. Original. Yeah. Well, um, you know, they're literally exactly the same. Um, I haven't seen the second one. It's, it is, I, I shit you not, Robin. It is shot for shot. It is line for line. I don't like Naomi Watts, so I just kind of avoid so her. Don't watch it. Okay. <laughs> I would, Tim Roth is in there. Uh, you got Michael Pitt, who's great, and uh, Brady scary. Corbet, who's awesome. But if yes, you don't Michael like Naomi Pitt Watts, don't watch it. Okay, I won't. Although it doesn't. Well, spoiler. But Unless you want to see her get tortured end. and hurt. Yeah, I mean, you know, spoiler. Everyone dies at the end. Um, John yeah, dies. I at love the that end. movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so let's see so yeah if if so definitely funny games right because that's a movie that like you walk into being like yay a home invasion thriller and then the movie's like what kind of sick fuck wants a home invasion thriller you piece of shit and then it spits mm-hmm. in your face and it treats you like garbage for two hours and this is a movie cabin in the woods that's more like yay like woods slasher and the movie is like Hooray, wood slasher. Like, we are also excited about this, but should we? But should we? But also, we're going to make it fun. But really? Like, really? And then, you know, it does its thing. So I think it's like a kinder um, funny games. And whereas funny games directly implicates you by having characters literally look at you and speak to you, this movie gives you that um, layer of remove where there's like an angry god. That needs to be placated. Mm-hmm. And we all know that we are the angry god, but it's also just cool that the movie has like a giant magma hand that comes out of the ground at the end. Um as for where it goes, like what happens next? Like what's the next link in the chain? Um, I'm not positive. That's a good question. This is why people don't usually do triple features, they just do double features. Also, because like when do you have lunch? If you're if you're having to watch three movies in a row, 
you know, Nick and I have done it and, uh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's an endurance test. <laughs> um, I've done like to... not a triple feature, but I have watched like five movies in a row, like, you know, for the course of a day in my own house. And that's so when I went to the Toronto International Film Festival, I did like three or four. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a festival, a like then that's just punishing yourself. But... Yeah. No, that was like, I was just like buzzing purely on Canadian light beer and cigarettes. And I was just like, I'm going to die. Um, Good times. I wonder if I can. I I know that my my like audio journals from going to TIFF were published on this podcast feed. I wonder if I could go back and find them because those would be interesting. Um. Anyway, I still have to think of this third fucking movie. I don't know. I. I don't know. Come back to me. Someone else talk. Bill, had you seen Cabin in the Woods before? I gave it Fuck the yeah. thing. Okay. Did you like it then? Yeah. I, I saw like this at now? South by Southwest. Oh, so well, I saw this you. before it was even <laughs> released to the to the wide audiences. Um, I also was very close to actually interviewing Goddard for this or Goddard uh, for this. Um, I think maybe even Joss Whedon was actually in town to help promote it as well. Um but yeah, uh, I loved this from the first time I saw it. Um, I remember, you know, getting getting the opportunity to watch this early, early on before it ha- it had a little bit of buzz because of uh, it played at. Um, <laughs> Ain't It Cool News uh, founder Harry Knowles thing at Alamo called Butt Numathon, which basically oh, yeah. is like way back in the day. If uh, that was like a genre, like just torture thing where he would just play. I think it was like just continuously play like I think 12 hours of movies Um, and all of it curated by him. And sometimes there would be like sneak premieres of like big, like ain't it cool news. If y'all didn't know this back in the day, uh, had a lot of fucking power and oh it my was God. Yeah, Harry really Nose strange. Was like a feared, mm-hmm. like thing in the world. And so, God, like, what two thousand? Like, I just yeah, you said bloggers. The Harry Knowles, and I think yeah. two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so, anyways, he had the power to basically be like, "Hey, you want to screen your like you know new upcoming genre movie at my my thing? Like, I'll." I'll premiere it and you know maybe it'll gain some buzz maybe it'll you know get a little bit of a a little bit of a you know some some cachet nerd cachet and yeah this was one of them actually and then from that point on it was just like it was just kind of one of these whispered movies this one this is one of those movies that you can't talk about it's it's like really spoiler phobic because half of the twist is half of the fun that it is like this fucked up like you know sacrifice of these people and you know that's that's like half of the fun and it's kind of spoiled almost from the outset because you're like who who are these guys he's like yeah like boring white functionaries who are just like having like a, a kind of I don't want to say Tarantino-esque, but it does kind of feel like that, where they're having, like, you know, the the kind of diner conversation. They're like, 
you know, we, my wife is going to, she's already got like all the baby proofing stuff. Like she's got like the little, you got to dig your finger in there and it takes me like 20 minutes to like get a, like get a spoon or something. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah, just like yeah. not talking about like the very like crazy ass thing they're about to do. Mm-hmm. And and then there, there's the, you know, splash of the title and everything mm-hmm. like that. And then and then you kind of jump right into it. And er, all along the way, it's kind of leading you down this path of like, oh, this is something's going on and you can't quite tell. So that was kind of the buzz was you need to see it. Don't 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 go in knowing anything else beyond that. And of course, like this is 2011. So there wasn't a ton of stuff out there about it. And so that was just kind of the buzz was you just got to see it. Like you don't, don't read it. Don't read up on it. Don't, don't look for like reaction tweets or anything like that. Like just, just fucking go in blind and go see it. And so, yeah, that was kind of the, the way that I saw it at South by Southwest. I think it was one of the first screenings. Like I got in on like a Thursday before the Friday thing. And like, it was like a exclusive press screening and it was in like this tiny little theater. And I remember getting out of it and just being like, that was fucking great. And I remember Steve uh, uh, Frosty from Collider, he turned to me and I was working for him at the time and he was just like, that was really good. And I was like, that was really fucking good, dude. (laughs) Like, that's going (laughs) to blow up. And so sure enough, you know, a lot of people really, really loved it when it came out, but it still didn't make that big splash. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it was released. I know it had, and and that is the impossible thing, right? It's this beautiful little thing once you experience it. But how do you advertise it? How do you talk about it without spoiling the twist? Which is yes, it's part of the fun, and it doesn't like diminish it once you know it. But going in you expect one thing and it turns into well, this other thing. That's one of those weird things of like, you know, when people are like, Oh, no one goes to the movies anymore. I feel like people are less willing to be surprised anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So like people are making fun of like, it's a movie called a man called Otto and it's about a man called Otto and he's grumpy, but like people are like, Oh sweet. That sounds good. I will watch that. Mm-hmm. And then they do. And it makes a fucking bunch of money. And you're just like, yeah. why? It's just about a man called Otto. And people are like, yeah, I needed a movie about a man called Otto in my life. Like, if you tell me there's a movie. Like about, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> right. It's a, it's about a yeah. curmudgeon who, like, you know, learns to love again or whatever. I'm there. But if I have to be like, okay, so, like, there's there's a cabin in the woods. Yes. Okay, that exists. But you have to realize that there's, like, a meta textual And people's just, their eyes glaze over. So, like, you know, Bad Times mm-hmm. of the El Royale comes out. And, like, I see it, and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, that looks awesome. But other people look at it, and they're like, I don't know, I'm confused. I don't know if I want to see that. You know, I don't know what it's going to be about. I don't want to, like, told out get out shortchanged. Of- but then you get something like, you know, The Shallows, and you're like, all right, Blake Lively versus a shark. That's great. I want that. And mm-hmm. then, like, which is good. That's a good thing. I love that movie. But it, it does feel like there is a level to which, like, we're no longer being like, oh, that looks interesting. I wonder what that's about. We want to go in and know precisely what we're getting. And I don't know if it's because we've been bait and switched or people are just like, God, I hope this doesn't like throw some dumb twist at me that I'm going to hate. Like a well, lot of people. This, this is Shyamalan. This is this is lit- like this would be a great double feature, I think, with The Village, where it is one thing until it's not. 
right? Yeah. It, it's presenting it mm-hmm. all with one hand with absolute sincerity, right? Like people can take this movie and splice out all of the all of the uh, director stuff, all of the, right, the, all the control room shit. Yeah, all the out. control room shoot, and this would still be a good scary movie. Right. Like like it still has that hallmark. It still has those jump scares. It still has the slasher element. It still has the girl getting naked. It still has like all of those like little cliche things. But it's also pretty good at it as well. But it's it's this other thing that like kind of enhances it. And that's the way that I kind of feel about the village. And I feel like maybe that was one of the reasons why this film, it was tough to sell to audiences because it was like hey remember the village and remember getting out and being people being super pissed that it was like it, <laughs> it, you know and it was one of those things where it's like but did you enjoy the movie up until that point and people were like yeah and then a twist and i was like but you enjoyed 98% of the movie right which is one of the and- reasons why i still can't talk shit about the village even though i rewatched it we talked about this i think in the cabin a knock at the cabin episode i rewatched uh-huh. it was like damn this movie is like i it's good i remember it being good like why did i hate this so much or like why did people turn on it so hard and it's the point where she holds out a sack and says it's okay i have the magic rocks and i was like Right, right, right. Yes, of course. This is the part where people start to lose it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because even though at that point... And she that knows has Sigourney truth, as well. Right. Even at that it? point where she knows the truth and she is just saying it to the guys so that they'll come along with her because she needs, like, someone to help. The, it's it's still like the hearing a human actor have to speak those words <laughs> is very difficult to deal with. Um, but yeah, I, I so I'm still having trouble coming up with a third movie to come up with part of me was like oh it follows but like that's not i don't know what the connection would be other than like oh like semi-independent movie with like an interesting twist kind of like you know metatextual thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i like i keep wanting to say i mean cloverfield lane is is one yeah yeah i could see that that's another twist one Right. But I'm trying not it, to just it, do it twists because like I, I chose sure. I chose funny. So honestly, I think it would be easier to do that if I went scream for its postmodernism rather than it's like active engagement with an audience and like the blood ritual of watching a horror movie. Because scream sure, is sure. like we know the rules. This movie yeah. is like don't don't say don't say I'll rules. be right back. Yeah. Yeah. So this is that's like. There are rules to survive. This movie is there are things that have to happen for the blood sacrifice to be okay. And then I guess like whatever movie I choose next would have to be like we've broken out or we're like doing something else. I don't know. It's Robin's really fucked me up. Why didn't you ask me this question a couple days ago <laughs> so I could have had time to work on it? Guys, I thought you said pod. you're a genius as extemporaneous speech. I am. Have you noticed that even though I haven't made a decision, I've continued to talk so that people can hear my decision-making process? Or you could always do, I, that's you could do what I trick do. or treat where it kind of explores that was like before the, this, the rules. Uh, what is this, 2011? Trigger yeah. Cheat may have came out. Trigger Cheat was 27, 2007. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. So, With, yeah. Uh, Anna Paquin and Brian Cox. Um, 
Yeah, no. Um, anyways, yeah. Oh, I, you know I, what? Fuck. I think. Hold on. I have to see if it came out after. Oh, I don't think it did because I'm pretty sure that Tony was still alive when this came out. <laughs> but if it, okay, if it's not, if it doesn't have to be in like some kind of chronological order, all right. I have decided what the third movie is. So the first movie is Scream, which is people are aware of the fact that they are in a slasher movie and attempt to operate by the rules therein. Okay, okay. Then yeah. we have Cabin in the Woods, which is characters um, are trapped in a horror movie and thus they have to uh, fight back and try to understand why this is happening. Like, what is the reasoning behind the horror movie? And then you have the 20, 2006 film by Mark Forster, Stranger Than Fiction, wherein a character, <laughs> a human, realizes that he is being written as a character and is being controlled by a writer and then attempts to have, find and co- like confront the person who is running his life. Isn't there like a Ryan Reynolds video game movie that I watched? The Nines? I'm not. No, we're not doing the Nines. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the Nines. No, it's not. It's it's like he he's an NPC. Oh, in a video game. he's done a bunch of those. Like that. It's like Free Guy. Free, Free Guy, guy yeah. It's all on an airplane. Okay, great no. for an airplane. Okay, and then there's another movie kind of like that called Ruby Sparks as well. Paul Dano. Oh, Ruby Sparks is a good one. So like Ruby Sparks. And uh, but I think Stranger Than Fiction is a little more interesting because it's being told specifically from the point of view of a person in it. So these are all mm-hmm. three movies. Person is in narrative, and how are they responding to it? In the case of Scream, they're just like, we have to realize that this is our life now, and we're just gonna live by it because we're in a slasher movie. And then in Cabin in the Woods, it's like, oh my god, why would anyone write a movie like this? And then in Stranger Than Fiction, it's Please make me understand what the purpose of me having to be like this is. And then the the best part about that movie is that the person comes to an understanding of it and accepts it and is like, oh, this, I see it. I understand now. So the movie that I thought you were talking about, Robin, is The Nines, which is like the, it was the weird Ryan Reynolds is playing like three different characters and it was like supposed to be like his like big, like indie dramatic thing. And it's like a troubled actor, a television showrunner, and an acclaimed video game designer find their lives intertwining in mysterious and unsettling ways. And the movie ended with like a weird Sim, or the movie trailer ended with like a weird Sims-esque overhead shot with everyone with numbers over their heads. I've never even heard of this Oh my God, seriously? I remember, like people, it's so John August wrote and directed it. What else did this guy do? Oh, is this the animated movie you're talking no, about? No, it is not. That's nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So John August wrote Big Fish, Go. He's apparently done a lot for fucking Tim Burton, which says a lot about him as a, herm- a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he did the new screenplay, the screenplay for the new Aladdin. The, the, okay, so he did the Aladdin remake, the Frank and Woody remake, and the Dark Shadows remake. He wrote the nines. He did Corp Ride, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Big I just, Fish. I just realized there was an Aladdin remake. Oh my god! Yeah, Guy Ritchie. Did, what are we it. doing? Are, are you fucking kidding me? That movie wasn't that bad. I kind of liked it. Guy Ritchie directed it. Oh, Guy Ritchie has two man. movies coming out within like four months of each other this year. Isn't that nuts? That's that sounds like COVID. 
he's got like Operation Fortune Rue de Guerre or whatever it's called. And then he's got uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Yeah, that sounds like COVID delays. Man, you know what I should have done? I should have made us watch Wrath of Man. <laughs> okay. It's a really good movie. It's from 2001. It's Jason Statham. He's like a guard for a, an armored car uh, company. It's got Josh Hartnett in it. And it's got Holt McElhaney in it. So uh, I was Scott watching Eastwood, the Jeffrey Donovan. Uh, documentary on this or the making of uh cabin in the woods and okay. one of the things that uh godard i'm just gonna say it godard i don't know why <laughs> right, uh yeah. godard uh said was kind of like the inspiration for this movie was that he grew up in los alamos new mexico where you know the mm-hmm. the creation of the manhattan project was yeah. and he said that That is the inspiration for all of these people that are just kind of milling about doing their job, doing their best of their job. Right. And their job is horrifying. (laughs) Yes. And he was like that. Like, I saw those people like I my parents were friends with those people. And so, like, I saw them and they were just like normal ass people. Right. They, yep. they didn't have the weight of the world on their shoulders or anything like that. And he said, like, that's that's part of the reason for the inspiration of, like, how these people act and how these people kind of go about their day is just like, yeah, I'm just doing a job, man. Like, whatever, you know. And so, you know, it, it does make you wonder if it's a well-paid job. Right. How, how do they get paid? Do they get paid? Is it is it just like. Nah, you're saving the world. So. They do get paid. They they there's a point where they talk about like, you know, hey, do we get overtime for this? And they're like, you gotta talk to accounting sure. over there. And there's the intern who's like, I'm an intern. I don't get overtime. <laughs> yes, yes. Which but, is like, you know, also like why would you have an internship office in this place? <laughs> that's bananas to me. Can you imagine like because uh, right now I'm interviewing interns, and so a lot of it's like I see that you uh, have experiences like a stylist at Target and you were a hostess at a bonefish grill. So, like, you know, what do you think you could bring to the table? Oh, in terms bonefish. Of like, good shit. Oh, yeah. Bang, bang, shrimp. Um, but so, you know, then you're like, OK, so what do you like? You know, what 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 skills do you believe you'd bring to like, you know, our marketing intern, you know, social media, blah, blah. But I can't even imagine being like, OK, cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, in terms of satisfying the angry God that lives at the center of the world and needs to see a specific sacrifice. Like, do you feel like, uh, you know, working at target? What, what, really what, yeah, what job skills, what, what job skills could you, could you, uh, you know, see, do you think <laughs> yeah. seating multiple tables at once really, uh, is, is primed you for helping to sacrifice a virgin? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, yeah, there's something about that workaday humdrumness of it that I like. And especially the way, it, like you said, it plays both straight, but the way they play against one another. Because, like, if you were the unwitting pawn of an angry god, that doesn't make what you're going through any less awful. So, like, Ooh. there's so many points in this movie. And and they they, they do something similar in um, Bad Times at the El Royale with just showing people observing the thing that someone else is going through. Mm-hmm. Where you get a chance to really, like, see... The difference, like, you know, like the you see you see the blonde uh, girl, uh, Jules and um, Chris Hemsworth, like making out in the forest. And she's like, you know, all sexy and sitting on him and takes her top off. 
And then you just cut to these like two officious men who are like, all right, we did it. Good work. Excellent. We've got it. <laughs> yep. And you, it, 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 rem- it again, it just reminds me of how it must be on the set of a movie. And in fact, it made me think this time about how in Dr. Sleep, apparently, um, who's that kid? Who's the kid that gets murdered in Dr. Sleep? Jacob Tremblay, right? He <laughs> apparently his like scene, he was doing so good that he disturbed the shit out of like everyone like, you know, and so they call cut and he just like pops up and he's like, all right, was that a good take? Like, I'm going to go to craft services. I'll be right back, guys. And everyone's just like, <laughs> fuck, this kid's a good actor. She is. But I can't right. imagine. <laughs> he gets his he gets his spray <laughs> cheese. He makes a leaning tower of cheese. Um, and he says slurpage <laughs> as he uses a straw okay. to drink from a water fountain. It is <laughs> actually the leaning tower of cheese. Uh, Jesus. Uh, uh, yeah. This is why Polly Shore is a genius because we can't even attempt to. I agree with you. I remember him in Biodome. I that well, right. I'm not one of my in the army now. He Chairman literally of the should have gotten an Oscar nomination for. Encino Wait, Man. no, that was Carrot Top. Ew. Yeah, Chairman Chairman Encino Top. Yeah. Uh, it's my dearest wish that Karina Longworth do. Like a like an episode on Polly Shore. <laughs> like you must. Have has has how did this get made? Done like a, a whole strewn uh, or like a whole series on some of those movies? Because like they're so. just bananas. They're like, just yeah. Bananas. Like it, just think think about like I don't know. Like it, the other- well, it, it's it's funny because these are the genre movies of that time period right it wasn't it wasn't horror films it wasn't sci-fi it wasn't fantasy it was like what kind of stupid ass this weird ass dude suddenly had to do this thing it's like rocket man right when they were just like harlan williams we're gonna put him in space you know a lot of dumb guy doing stuff things which i think actually jim carrey is like the king of that genre but another major genre of the 90s was kids teaming up with animals like oh, well, mm-hmm. yeah dunston checks in dunston checks in great film by the way like truly excellent and great soundtrack but like there were tons of those wait is that another <laughs> carter burwell <laughs> i was gonna say that feels like the kind of movie that would have bohemian like you playing in it at some point honestly the i watched that movie within like the last 10 years and it like held up extremely well I'm trying to check yeah, out when no. Bohemian like you came Airbud. No, that was too late. Oh, yeah. That was too late. There was like a few like Bingo. Andre, Did you guys even watch Bingo? Yeah, I saw that one. There's uh Andre, the one with the seal. There was oh, yeah. one where there's one where a girl of monkey trouble. Monkey oh yeah. Trouble. I know I know monkey trouble. What's the oh was yeah. it Flipper was the one that had um rolled roll with me in the, the trailer, right? I would not oh. remember the the flipper. flipper so the flipper trailer, I remember because it had. I, I I'm almost positive it had that song. Look around the world, pretty oh, baby. God. Is it everything you hoped it would be? Wow. <laughs> right I mean, there are tons of them. Situation. This is just scratching the surface. Yeah. Truly. But I yeah, mean, but- uh, rescuers down under. The kid is friends with an eagle. <laughs> yeah, I think that was. But are you only talk? Are you only talking about like live action child? I'm talking about yeah, like live, live action. action. I feel like that really 
Is yeah, because th- then otherwise we get into Aladdin and like. Oh, yeah, because he's got so. the monkey. Pocahontas, she's got Nico and Flit. Mm-hmm. Tangled, he's got he's got uh, Pascal. Pascal. Tangled was like 2010. I know. Yeah, it's, it's it, this is a thing that never We're died. We're about 90s genres. But like, it, I, I agree with you, though, that like dumb guys doing stuff. You rarely see those movies. Like my husband finally. So he's been begging me to rewatch Dumb and Dumber for years. And I like hate that movie <laughs> to my core. Hate that movie to my core. Wow. Is it like the worst movie I've ever seen? No. Like they're they're it's well made for what it is, but I truly just like it's odious. <laughs> the craft to me. is good. That's incredible. Yeah, the craft, it has like a good soundtrack. Like the you, you and the fucking soundtracks. I don't even remember I'm the soundtracks you, of these I'm movies. Just telling you. Well, I watched it fucking finally last Saturday because it was his birthday. So what was what are the great what are the great licks that are in the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack? I I have no fucking clue. I'm just telling you. Like I'm looking it up. Dumb and Dumber soundtrack song. My husband finally conned me into rewatching this movie. Basically, it was a guilt trip, and I was like, fine. Like first, he it was all like done so exceedingly well because first he's like oh let's watch this movie called the leopard like that's high on my list and then it turns out it's like a three-hour movie in italian and I'm like nick i don't have the <laughs> attention span for this and then i felt bad so i was like fine we'll watch dumb and dumber like he planned that whole thing i'm sure of it <laughs> just like suck me in and then we watched it and it, it's not terrible it's like not a terrible movie but just it like is so Everything about it just like disgusts me to my core. Wow. And I incredible. have not seen this movie since I was six. My father took me to see it in the theaters. And I came out of the movie being like, Dad, like this movie sucked. Why did you take me to this? Man, like, Jim Carrey. I, I thought he had like the worst taste. That that year with the the Jim Carrey's like miracle year, yeah. he like defined like a full like 16 months of my life. Like I remember that like yep. every time I ran, like I got to see my cousins again, we were quoting a different fucking Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. It was like either the mask. Do not go in there. Man, the mask is. Oh, oh um, my God. I could do Ventura, a whole episode on that. Right too. <laughs> like I had a girl, like there was one girl that I went to elementary school with who lied. She was like, I don't know. She's going through a thing, like a phase. And she like told me that, Jim Carrey picked her up from school every day, and I like believed her. Is- <laughs> I guess I was in like I was like I was in first grade. Okay, like whatever. That's not an excuse. <laughs> and, right. and her best friend Max knows. What is it like? Right, yeah. My friend Max is gonna go ahead and sing with Powerline. Like I was a kid. Like I, you know, do not believe in Santa. You know, when I lost my first tooth, my father was like, "Here's a twenty. Now get out of the way of the TV." So uh, and another fan. and another beautiful cracked <laughs> tile gets plastered onto the mosaic of Robin's relationship with her father. I love my father. No, my dad and I. I like I when I was growing up, I used to feel like or I used to believe or had this like my sense of genetics was that you got your looks from one parent, you got your personality from the other. It was so <laughs> they just split a nap. <laughs> it was so obvious to me that I looked just like my mother and acted just like my father. I had a great relationship with my dad, but like, you know, in some ways, yeah, he was sort of, they were sort of like the parents from Matilda, like in some respects. Um so so I forgot what I was telling you. And <laughs> so I 
didn't I was not inclined to believe in like fantastical things, but like I guess there was a part of me that really did want Jim Carrey to be like in my life somehow. <laughs> so you, you just know, so, went with it. And it's so funny because now, you know, he he really exemplified that sort of like just antic ridiculous behavior, you know, that r- some might call it thing. some might call it uh coked out because of Chris Farley, right? Oh, like maybe, just, maybe, just yeah. like way over the top. Or just like just amphetamines like, or something. I don't or know. Or just yes. like because then, of the bear, you know. And then <laughs> yeah. and then the year two thousand, the year nineteen ninety nine, two thousand hits. And ever since then Jim Carrey is like the exemplification of like tears of a clown. He's just like pathos to the extreme yeah smoky robinson just <laughs> follows him around dude it's like dude, there was dude, he only dude, had like dude, a, dude, a 10 year a uh, year like a 10 year span where he could be totally rubber faced and then he just like had a revelation <laughs> when was know, when was yes man i feel like that yeah 2008 like 97 no yes man was 2008 oh i'm thinking of I'm thinking liar, liar. Yeah, that's a diff- that's, <laughs> that's similar like the but same different fucking idea. <laughs> that's wouldn't it be great if at one point this someone was like, okay, so we know you know how we loved when Jim Carrey couldn't tell a lie, right? He had to he had to say the truth, and then in Yes Man, he had to say yes. We're doing a new modern retelling of Bartleby the Scrivener. Jim Carrey can <laughs> only say I'd rather not. <laughs> That is a joke for three people. All of you are welcome. No, it's it's a as you wish. I can imagine if that's a. Oh yeah. Speaking of the Princess Bride, man. But, so in that in Yes Man, he romances Zoe Deschanel. What are what is the age difference there? Jim Carrey is born in. Oh, it's not telling me. Oh wait, no, he's born in 1962. Zoe Deschanel. Was born in 1980. Yeah, it's not great. 18 years. You know, I feel like once he kind of became anti-vaxxer, like he was one of the first proponents of like vaccines cause autism because of his girlfriend Jenny McCarthy. Right, because of Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, you know, you you do strange things for. (laughs) I almost said something deeply (laughs) offensive. (laughs) For. For love, yeah, love. Let's. That's a. That's better than what I they was. They were together say. actually a really long time. Yeah. But anyway, i I think that I think this is a great way to wrap up the episode. Yeah, we <laughs> talked very briefly the crazy about thing to Roxanne from. The I'm just glad to know. <clears throat> wait, what about Roxanne? You do crazy things for Roxanne. Yeah, Roxanne. Time. Oh my god, I would have done anything for Roxanne as a child. Um. I feel like Roxanne was more an activator for me than even Jessica Rabbit was. Jessica Rabbit too obvious, right? But so, like, I, honestly, I'm I am shocked. Yeah, you, Robin, you don't you don't need to see someone cosplay as Jessica Rabbit. You just look up um, why can't Natalie Dormer, and you're just like, oh, that's <laughs> yes. her, Marjorie Hightower, or whatever the fuck yeah. her name was. I mean, have you, have you not Lake. seen Have you not seen the the side by side, Robin? No, I to me Natalie Dormer just has like these hammerhead eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm looking it up. Let Natalie Dormer, Jessica Rabbit. 
Oh no, it this says Lola Rabbit. Bustle. Yeah, Lola. Lola yeah. from Space Jam. Space Jam. That's not oh. the same thing at all. Yeah, um, that's totally different. However, no, no. cannot be unseen from imagery. Like, oh, but it's not showing sounds are like almost fully. Like so, so like, Bill and I clearly both have mechanical it. keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What kind of switches you got, Bill? It sounds like you got reds. <laughs> uh, I actually have clears. Oh, I don't even know what the fuck clear is. They're supposed to be uh, relatively quiet. Or actually, I think I think yeah, this board is clears. So interesting. Well, they are super fucking loud. Um, <laughs> yep, I like it. Lola Bunny was kind of a thing, but yeah, I think you know what's funny is that I I feel like I was expecting Robin to have more of a like, well, no fucking duh kind of thing related to me liking Roxanne. Because to me, it just feels like it's such an obvious thing for me. I get it. I mean, she looks like she would be a, a lovely mother someday. Right. You know, it's like, oh, you you mean like the super cute girl who's also like a little awkward and shy and like all that. Like, oh, no, there's no way Brian would like that. Yeah. And yeah I was like, just expecting go, more fucking ribbing from you. No, I get it. <laughs> Oh, Bill and I have both sent Robin links about Natalie Dormer looking Oh, Christ. Like. It's fucking yeah, true, though. It's like a little disturbing. Robin, Robin, we need that. a reaction, please. I'm looking. <laughs> it's the hammerhead eyes. <laughs> it's the hammerhead eyes. Oh, yep. man. Lola Bunny it's, clearly, it's smirk. clearly not smirk. someone who got a, bu a buckle fat removal. You know, which is I good. Because people who that do is. that look freaky. Yeah, the buckle fat thing is like the weirdest thing. It's like, why do you want what, to look like a sallow corpse? Oh, so, um, Bill, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Like, below your cheekbones is a, a patch of fat known as buckle fat. And the new hot... Uh, plastic surgery thing is getting that removed so that you have like a more contoured lower part of your face and um it's fucked up like all the tiktok plastic surgeons are like you know oh like this is what i would do there was actually a huge no i won't call it a scandal but there was an uproar on tiktok because some fucking plastic surgeon was like um who's what's 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 the girl from stranger things the the sister that no one's gonna know. help oh, me out here. Oh, okay, okay. Natalie or something like that. I yeah. Think so it's um the, the Natalie uh, Dyer. Yeah, because she's Nancy yeah. Wheeler, and this person was like, Natalie Dyer is so beautiful, blah blah blah. But I would like take away the buckle fat. I would like do some lip filler oh, and just and then she like posted that's, that's like her her Photoshop image of it. And what's funny is that everyone's like, oh, right, you took someone who's gorgeous and compelling because they have a very distinctive face and made her look like every other Instagram influencer, you fucking mm -hmm. monster. But yeah, so buckle fat removal is like the new thing. So I was making a joke about that because Lola Bunny, as I'm looking at this picture, has very large, fluffy cheeks. And I guess by dint of that, so does Natalie Dormer. I mean, I feel like she buckle fat just cheeks. makes people look older. Like, the lack of just, buckle fat, right? Yeah, like uh, that's what I mean. Like when when you have that procedure, it just ages you ex exceedingly. Right, I mean, you turn like, into present day Clint Eastwood. <laughs> it's so weird yeah. that people want that. 
Well, it's also like, you know, people say all that's like, okay, if you're fat, you know this this truth, which is once you lose a lot of weight, it ages you because the fat or whatever in your face, like it 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 often looks smooth. And when you mm-hmm lose that you you see more wrinkles you see more lines all that oh, stuff. fucking absolutely so, yeah i lost so a, i lost that- a bunch of weight and i was like who is this old man this wizened character right. staring at me right in the window. i will say however it made my beard look fuller which that was a plus i could see that but like so all fat people know this then all this shit like ozempic and wagovi and like oh you know people like look what happens when you stop taking it like or like when you start taking it you age i'm like every person who er, who is fat already knew this like yeah when you lose a right. lot of weight it ages you duh right, because like, the you, the natural wrinkles and crevasses that you should yeah, have like are the New filled York in Times with fat keeps, keeps sending like fucking like breaking news articles to me about this i'm just like no shit sherlock right and it, it's not and that it ages dumb. you it's not like it's making you older it's just that like right the it's fat like does hide a little because you've taken what should be a wrinkly body and just fluffed it up Exactly. Yeah, it's a balloon. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly that. Um, I can't even remember what I was going to say. It was going to be something about something, and now I can't remember. Oh, uh, one of the reasons that this film had a bunch of issues, Cabin in the Woods, uh, since we we're kind of off on a Joss tangent. Got um, uh, no, uh, one of the reasons that this one had a lot of issues was because of... Um, is it MGM? Yeah, MGM's financial problems. Oh, so this was yeah. all tied into the, all that shit. Yeah, I remember that the release for this was not fraught so much, but it definitely felt like they were fighting with not a lot of ammo. Like I, the press screening was like packed. They like had a little standee that people could take pictures in front of, but it was very clear that they were like, "We're hoping for very good word of mouth because we are not getting any money to promote this." <laughs> Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. you know, th- this is this is an impossible film to advertise and be like, you know, Ew, don't you want to see this horror film? But there's a twist, and it's just like, eh, yeah, you know. So it's tough. It's tough to just it, and you know, everyone that I've shown this to. Oh, Robin, did you like this? Cabin in the Woods, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's a solid movie. It's also not a movie that I've ever really wanted to revisit. It's just, you know, didn't make enough of an impression on me. But yeah, I mean, I think it has its merits for sure. Right, and 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 one of the reasons why I decided, uh, other than the perfect symmetry of like five hundred episodes and eleven years later, let's check this shit out again. It was this. It was the kind of symmetry of being like, oh, like you know, we have this this thing, like Cabin in the Woods. Like I haven't really gone back and seen it. I should check it out and see if you know if I was still right the first time. And I, I have to say that I think eleven years ago, Brian was pretty spot on. Good work, eleven yeah, years ago, Brian. Go, it's shown that it kind of did something different at the time, like in the way it does its twistiness or it's like i don't know i guess i guess it didn't do something that different if you compare it to scream but like for the type of genre i mean it's still different compared to scream because like scream is yeah, it's not a it's not it's, a, it's that thing of like you know i think richard ebert or richard ebert god lord roger ebert would always be like you know it like life would be so much easier if these characters realized they were in a movie it's like if the, if you would sit down and have a conversation, we wouldn't have these stupid like paradox in every romantic comedy, 
you know, all this other stuff. And like, you know, so Scream is like, oh, these are people in a slasher movie who've seen a slasher movie. And so they vaguely know what to do, but they also vaguely know how to subvert it. And these are like real people who have been forced to be in a slasher movie and are being manipulated by a weird shadowy cabal that spans the entire earth. And not just a slasher movie, but like a supernatural one. But I guess you don't really know it's supernatural until like the last, you know. Well, I would what, say 20? you definitely know. Like when the when the when the zombies come back from the dead, that's a supernatural incident. No, but like, aren't we also led to believe that they're mechanical or so, in some way? Like they're not really no, they're zombies. they are they're, real they're, zombies. Yeah. yeah, they're real. Okay, they yeah. they yeah. are but. they are the original scary creations that other nightmares and other like things are like based on. Yeah. These so, are like, like primal, this, this is a real weird werewolf. Yeah. But now they've been harnessed by technology. Um, okay. What was I, I, gonna yeah, say? I mean, I, one of my, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is Franz Kranz's character. I don't know why he didn't get to be yeah. in more shit. Um, I know. I loved him. So I loved him so much in this, like a, clearly a riff on Shaggy, but like has, has enough brains and has enough like actual brawn to actually, you know, make an impact. Well, so and- I, I had a friend who was obsessed with Joss Whedon stuff. And so he was like, you got to watch Buffy. You got to watch Angel. And I was like, fuck no, I don't want to do that. And then he was like, okay, but you've watched like uh, Firefly, right? And I was like, yes, I've watched Firefly. And then he was like, Dollhouse. There's this new this new TV show called Dollhouse coming out. You got to watch it with me. It's got Elijah Dusku in it and it's all this other stuff. And I was like, fine, I'll watch Dollhouse. And one of my favorite things about Dollhouse was Fran, Kron, Franz, Fran Kranz's character. <laughs> I don't know how to say this guy's name. I'm so tired. And he was like the little like tech nerd dude. And he had the same kind of like energy because like I think he's the type of actor where it's like if you're hiring him, you know what you want. You want this twitchy, like, you know, slightly paranoid. I'm smarter than everyone else, but I'm very like uncertain about things energy. And he was great. And so when I saw him in this movie, I was like, oh, cool. He's doing the same thing, but I'm here for it. And I liked when he got his hero moment, like when when the guy is about to swing the trap and kill the girl. And suddenly the expandable thermos bong comes up and like rescues her. I was like, yes, Franz, 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 Franz. And he's like, I had to like disembowel this guy with a trowel. <laughs> what have you been up to? But like when he's talking to the guy at the, 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 um, the gas station. Uh-huh. <laughs> first, that entire scene is hilarious. It's just like. Yeah, I've been here since the war. And the girl's just like, which war? And he's like, you know damn well which war. Yep. Such a funny thing. And, and, and then he, he's yeah, like, and the then one he, with the like red, the, the gray and the blue and the brother versus brother. <clears throat> and then the guy calls up and everyone's just like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with the harbinger. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mordecai, baby. What's <laughs> up? Yeah. The invocation has been completed. Oh, that's 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 great, buddy. We're all we're all so happy to hear that. <laughs> like it's yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Bradley Whitford is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like like and and that is like the comedy aspect of this. Like even the fact that like he ends up being slayed by the merman. Like that's that's a beautiful little bit. Um, it, it was funny because I actually found. If you watch the documentary on it, 
I could say documentary. It's, it's just like a behind the scenes thing. Where did you watch the um, behind the scenes thing? Is it like on HBO Max or something? I I own the film, so oh, it was on my go. extras. Um, but it should be on HBO as well. Um, but it, it's like a 28 minute like making of Cabin in the Woods. And one of the things that they joke about, and there's you know obviously this famous sequence when they just purge the entire system and all hell breaks loose and they said you know we wrote this Josh Whedon and him apparently wrote it over like a a long weekend in a hotel and he said when we wrote this we wrote and all hell breaks loose and he said I did not realize when I wrote that it would create such a nightmare because they had to put together all hell breaking loose and right. had to have like very specific shots of like, here's a killer clown. Okay. We got to dress the clown. We got to think of a sequence with that clown. We got to do this. Okay. Now we got to shoot this and now we got to shoot. And it was like, Oh fuck. What did, why did we do that? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we got to show merman. this on, we got to have a yeah, goddamn and, horse with a horn on its head and pale a dude. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it's like, and we got to shoot it so it can all be shown on a screen. And they're like, oh fuck, this is gonna take forever. And so yeah, they they mention at one point they're like, yeah, some of these costumes are rented. Like we just literally <laughs> went to like Party City and fucking like was like, okay, yeah, dress it up, cool. All right, let's fucking return that. Like we don't have the budget for this. Like what the fuck are we doing? So you know? a, a, apparently, an effects designer for the film, David Leroy Anderson, said of the of the Merman. For the performer on set, it was diff- it was definitely the most painful makeup. He was completely immobile. He was basically a fish for 12 hours and had to be carried around on a stretcher. When he was laying on <laughs> when, he, when he was laying on the floor, we'd give him a little pillow and he'd kind of curl up in a fetal position and go to sleep. There's a lot of really cute pictures of the merman napping. <laughs> We'd go gently wake him up and say, it's time to kill. <laughs> what the fuck? Which again, like, but the funny thing is, like, that means that the people making this movie got to live the life of the people making the sacrifice of the cabin in the woods. Like, they were <laughs> their own level of truth and reality behind the scenes. So yeah, Cabin in the Woods, still a good movie. Eleven years later, really. I, I think I think it just it holds up so well. Yeah, I I really really enjoy watching this. And Robin, and, you got to fucking watch yeah. goddamn Bad Times of the Old Hill. And and Robin, it's funny you said you know that film kind of released in in kind of a whimper. I I agree, but if you look at the cast of that film, it's got a fucking all star cast. I know it like, does. But that's like, a yeah. holy shit cast. It was definitely a come and go where it came and went kind of movie. It did, yeah, which was sad because I, so I actually took I saw it at a preview screening and then I took friends to go see it in DC. Like we had to go to DC to see it because it didn't have like a super wide release. Um, it was actually a fun day because I accidentally burnt down a uh, a municipal trash can. Okay. Uh, so like I we we pull up to the theater right, and I'm outside, and I'm like I'm gonna you know smoke a cigarette while this guy's uh, putting money in the meter. So I'm smoking my cigarette, 
He's like, okay, like the movie's about to start. We got to get inside. I was like, cool. And I just flicked my cigarette into the trash can. Something I had done a million times in the past and it had never started a fire. You asshole. It had never started a fire before. So I come out, we come out right after the movie. That was a good movie. I told you it was a good movie, man. It was awesome. And then I look and the the car is wet. (laughs) And where a trash can had been. There was now a weird, smoldering, melted plastic thing oozing through the metal cage that they put the trash cans in. And it was just drenched in water. And I was like, oh, oh, 100%. This thing slowly turned into a full-on fire and the fire department had to come and put it out. It was a good day. Only you can prevent forest fires. Yeah. I almost burned them. DC to the ground like Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Anyway. With that, I think, I think that's a good way not, to Yes, wrap not Clarabelle. <laughs> yeah, we got to Clarabelle. Anyway, if uh, you're a cosplayer who dresses up like Roxanne, my number is 281. Unless you powder your nose and make it brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, clothing and hair only. Please don't color your nose. That's awkward. Um... I'm going to lobby Jordan that the thumbnail for this episode should be a picture of one of these people with their nose painted brown. <laughs> um, anyway, any final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up this 500th episode spectacular? Uh, how many more episodes do you think you're in for, Bill? Six? A thousand! Oh, <laughs> Podcast it! <laughs> All right! Yeah! Okay. Reviewing movies. (laughs) Robin, what about you? When are you going to leave? Amelia. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I need to do that. I'm going to do the math really quick. So Robin says she's going to be here for a million more episodes. Okay, we divide that by, let's say, (laughs) 52 that's 19,230 weeks. All right. You're in for that? Uh, are, we, are we even alive for 19,000 weeks? No, we are not. <laughs> That's never, no, no. Because 52 weeks in a year, right? Is right. that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so God. if you take no. 1 million. We're not 19,000 years. We're not 19,000 years old. No, it's never going to work. <laughs> we're gonna die very quickly. <laughs> okay, so so what we need to do is break every episode into one second chunks, and oh, then Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be every episode will be so you know episode one is saying hello, episode two is the movie plug, episode three is whatever. Right, you guys are drunk. Yeah. What, what is what is what is the podcast that does like? A like minute cheat movie minute, yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I know, never. I know they did one on aliens, they did one on aliens, they did one on heat. I don't know if they're, I don't know what they're doing. Next. That's insane. That's insane. I, w- I so I jokingly what said, What a crazy would, ass podcast format! Like, I would let me, let me take a three minute clip and just fucking like well, interview that's somebody. The goddamn thing is that, like, I, you know, and I maybe it's fun, maybe it is. So it's like, oh, okay, so here we are, we're in the third minute of this car chase, and we're just going to talk about this car chase. Like, what are the aspects of this car chase in this minute? I jokingly said, I wanted to do that for to the wonder <laughs> because i would fucking love to have someone on 
it's just like okay so this is minute uh you know 47 of the movie and this minute involves olga kurilenko spinning in a field and ben affleck looking pensively at the horizon let's talk about it I think that would just be fucking insanity. But I would also love to try that. So if anyone wants to do uh, to the to the minute, to the wonder, to the wonder, to the minute, uh, reach out to me. If we assume that we do an episode every week, that's 52 episodes in a year. I am 35. Let's assume that I'm going to die at 70. That means that I can expect to do another 1,820 episodes unless I finally quit. All right. God, you know what's depressing, though, is that like, like, that's only three times as long as I've already been doing it. Like, I've already done 500 episodes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I look at that. I'm like, well, that's a lot. And it's like, no, no, technically, I've already done a third of that anyway. And that's, again, assuming I live until 70, which is not guaranteed. Uh, So we're at almost two hours and 43 minutes. I feel like everyone's probably fucking sick of us by now. But then again, we're also at 500 episodes and we're still here. So who can say? Who, as as my good friend Elliot Smith always said, who can really tell? All right, let's get out of here now. Nope, absolutely not. We're all about to... Everyone, remember, this is the moment where we all sing Powerline together. So, and a one, and a two. And a three. If you listen to each other's heart. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> kill me. I actually have a decent singing voice, but I like so can't once try. once your 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 jaw is all better, we're all gonna we're gonna make us we're gonna make you sing specifically. Special karaoke episode. Oh my god, you know what we could do? <laughs> we could you and I could do a duet. Um yeah. are you familiar with Les Miserables? I am. All right. Do you want to do a little fall of rain with me? I don't know that song. You don't know the one? That's where Eponine dies. Oh, okay. It's not. I. I. My favorite song from that is also duet, but it's like the Thenardiers just kind of being like pieces of shit. Ma- is it Master of the, the House? house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate those fucking My people. dream role song. is Mrs. Thenardier. But oh my god, have you seen what's happened since? <laughs> yeah. Master of the house isn't with me. Comforter yeah. philosopher and lifelong shit. Lifelong shit. shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll do that when I can uh, open my mouth more than like nine meters. So nine I, meters. um, what was it? I, I used to go to karaoke all the time. Um, it was like every Thursday. Like this place called it was like it was a bar in a cheap hotel near my house and they'd have karaoke night and me and my friends would go and basically rule the place except there were like a couple other groups that would be there too. And there was another guy also named Brian, Brian Love, um, and he and I would sometimes sing duets, um, but it would be like love songs (laughs) And one of them, I think, was a little fall of rain. And we, like, fought over who got to be Eponine. It was it was hilarious. Wow. Ah, good times. So, anyway, uh, what I meant to say with that, Robin, is that if we do a little fall of rain, I get to be Eponine. You All have right. to be Marius. All right. All Easily. Because right. I could do that Kermit the Frog voice that Eddie Redmayne does. <laughs> 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 
Oh, God. Anyway. Right, we gotta go. Brother. I was looking up the track listing to Les Miserables the other day, and I totally forgot that, like, they wrote a new song for that movie. Just for the like, Oscars. Right, for the Oscars, because you gotta get that original song, and, you know, mm-hmm. and it was that, it was suddenly whatever mm-hmm. that Hugh Jackman had to sing about, like, oh, shit, I've got a kid now, and I love her. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you didn't need this. Um, yeah. Anyway, this has been a fun episode. I hope everyone out there has enjoyed it. If you have a favorite episode from the last 500 episodes, um, let us know what it is. Uh, is it the time I had a, a stunning nervous breakdown talking about Manchester by the Sea? Um, <laughs> that's the only one I could think of right now. Um, if so, just write us in, let us know, and, uh, we'll talk about it. It'll be fun. I'm sure that the people in the Slack will have opinions and maybe we'll run that down on the next episode. Uh, until then, don't forget to go to mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial of Mubi. Uh, also, uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash film stage show to become one of those Slack dwelling patrons of ours. Uh, again, that's, uh, patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's get out of here. I'm very tired and I'm starting to ramble. (laughs) Anyway. I'm the one that had jaw surgery and I can't feel my bottom lip. If I had had jaw surgery, this, uh, episode would have been over an hour ago. (laughs) But I've never needed a doctor to consensually break my jaw. So here we are. Um, all right, so that's it. Let's tell the fine people at home where they can find us between now and the next time that we ramble incoherently into their ears until we eventually pass out. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can find me on Instagram at Billstagram, uh, posting puppy photos. Uh, and then you can also find me uh, on the film's stage Slack channel, always mixing it up. All right. Robin Barr. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Uh, you can also sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. As for me, um, you can find uh, some of my stuff at my personal site, BrianJeroen.com. If you'd like to learn more about my distillery, which just had its three-year anniversary, go to SchmidtSpirits.com or InkwellWhiskey.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't forget to follow me on all the social medias at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, keep my brand tight. Um, and don't forget that every episode, all five fucking hundred of them are available at thefilmstage.com. And, uh, as is a bunch of other writing interviews that I've done over the course of my illustrious career at this fine institution. So, ladies and gentlemen... Thank you so much for joining us and make sure that you tune in next time. For the first time ever we're seeing it. I sang a lot during this episode and I don't know why. <laughs> it, it was basically our musical ex- extravaganza. Right, yeah. We'll have to call this the 500th episode musical extravaganza. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs>